Hello, this is Do Go On. I'm Matt Stewart. And I'm Taran Jayamana. And uh, we're in Sydney. And uh, we're about to be in Brisbane. And we're doing live shows. They're called Dry Dryer. And also, who knew with Matt Stewart in both those cities? And you can get details at mattstewartcomedy.com. Anything else you want to tell the good listeners that do go on, Saran? Well, the whole point of this was you thought that it might be more engaging if you had a different voice. But you've said most of the information. So, hey, come see us in Sydney and Brisbane. Yeah, that was engaging. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to another episode of Do Go On. My name is Dave Warnicky, and as always, I'm here with Matt Stewart. Hello, Matt. Hey, Dave. So good to be here. And uh, not as always, we are, but we are joined by a very special guest, uh, our dear friend from Sandspans Radio, Cass Page is here. Oh, that's a lovely introduction. Hello, Cass, and it's all true. Oh, so good to have you back, Cass. Last it's good time to be you back. were here, you uh, heard me talking about. The real Robinson Crusoe. That's right. Do you recall that? Oh, I do. That room was big. Yeah, we so we were sitting in, big room. in the main studio at the old Stupid Old Studios. Yeah, that was massive. It felt luxurious. It felt luxurious because we all had really long corded mics as well. <laughs> it felt like we were filming a music video. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We were being very, very COVID safe, uh, but it was impossible to hear each other because <laughs> we were hundreds of meters away. Yeah, no, that was, that was good. That, I have no idea if that was. Uh, six months ago or two years, sometime in the in the COVID past. But definitely in the past. Yeah, I reckon it was definitely in the past if I was going to have a guess. I, yeah, I'd say that. Yeah, I reckon so. Yeah, good pick. Hey, Cass. Yes. Uh, do you know how this show works? Because I'll explain it to you if you don't. And maybe for new listeners, maybe I'll just do it yeah. anyway. Just play dumb, just, I reckon, yeah. Well, I don't know what a <laughs> podcast is. Where are the faces? Oh. I can't read the expressions. Okay, well, I've got to go way back to the start. <laughs> We're coming from a long way behind. Um, a podcast is... Oh, fuck. I shouldn't start that sentence. I don't know how to end it. Oh, no. <laughs> there once was a man named Steve. <laughs> it's like a radio show in your phone. Uh, that'll do. That'll do. Uh, anyway, so this show in particular works when the three of us, Cass, you're now one of the three of us, yes. uh, one of us goes away and researches a topic often suggested by a listener and then uh, writes up a report, almost like an old high school report, brings it back to the class and and uh, reads it out to the other two. The person who's done the research uh, has kept the topic a secret and they get us onto the topic with a question. This week, Dave 
is doing the report. Dave, what is your question? All right, my question for both of you is, what prestigious motorsport race is held every year in France and is won by the car? Le Mans. Le Mans. It is. Uh, it's the car that covers the greatest distance in 24 hours, and the answer is, I'm afraid you're wrong. It's Le Mans. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to have to give the point to Cass there. Yes. Damn it. Who waited till the end of the question. <laughs> Um, you know a bit about this race, obviously? No. Is this the one where you're allowed to have a motorbike and sometimes people make a film about it? Uh, I don't think... Steve McQueen has made a Le Mans film. Okay. Uh, he also rode the motorbike in The Great Escape. That is the only connection I'm making. <laughs> Okie dokie, that... It's the, it's, but the, are you thinking of one that's like a cross country? This one's like around and around, I think, but it just goes for ages. Yeah, I'm thinking of a big straight line. You're thinking? Are you thinking of uh, well, darker thinking. or something? Oh, yeah, right. I think I might be thinking oh, of. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking like of speed, not land speed distance. records. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. No, this one it is. Yeah, it is a, a tr- almost like a traditional race, and like Matt says, you go around a very long track, you do laps, but it's rather than who comes first isn't whoever does it the quickest a certain distance. It's whoever does the most laps in 24 hours. So speed is still important. You want to go quick, but I'll explain why it's slightly different. But it all, doesn't always go smoothly because specifically this week uh, I'm doing the story of the 1955 Le Mans disaster. Okay. <gasps> okay. Oh, that doesn't sound good. So if, surely, you know, you could have picked the 1974 Le Mans success story. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> A very fun yet boring tale. <laughs> Everything. It's just like, and they just kept going around faster and faster <laughs> and safely. Yeah. Sometimes a bit slow, but... You know what? Some people did more laps than other people. And isn't that what's important today? Yeah. Mm. And everyone lived happily ever <laughs> after because everyone lived. <laughs> um, so this one has been suggested by a few people. Thank you to Josh Wilcock from Brighton, Joe from Brisbane, and, of course, Ben Johnson from Milton Keynes in the UK, who's been very keen for us to cover this topic over the years. Has he been? He's a... Uh, I've seen him post in our Patreon group a few times. and I put this up for a vote for our Patreon and supporters at dogoonpod.com, where I put up three disaster topics. Okay. And Ben even got in the group and said, guys, you got to vote for C. I've been pushing for it for years. <laughs> so, Ben, we're finally doing it, mate. Um, so, the first 24-hour of Le Mans for context was held in 1923, a time when Grand Prix motor racing was the dominant form of motorsport throughout Europe. Grand Prix motor racing eventually evolved into what we know today as Formula One or F1. And much like it is today, back then it was all about who could drive the fastest. <laughs> Imagine if there was a time where it was something else. Who could drive the swerviest? That <laughs> <laughs> was a drift, drift racing. Yeah. Uh, so it was, it was a classic race to see who could build and race the fastest machines. That's what the normal one is. In comparison, the aim of the 24-hour of Le Mans was to test who could build the most reliable cars. Right, so Volvo would have been big. Yeah, they rely. No, they're safe. <laughs> safe. That seems like a good. That seems like a competition for the common man. Yeah, you know, Toyota I, Corolla versus a Mazda three. Let's see. Yeah, let's yeah. see. <laughs> you keep the engine going for three months. See who's still going. We should turn um, crash test dummies into some sort of contest. Oh yeah, what are you thinking? I reckon you could. I don't. Maybe maybe covering. Every element. Maybe, of the or car. what about like haircuts? <laughs> who <laughs> okay. give? Who gets the cutest? 
It's a Crash triathlon. Comes on with haircut. <laughs> Part number one is hair and makeup. <laughs> Part number two is artists come in and paint the different elements of the car in different colours. Part number three is the crash. And then when you look at the dummies afterwards, if they've got green on them, that means they hit, the steering wheel hit them. You know? Uh, like yeah. Then we can test the car safety, but also... How hot you can be. Yeah, swimsuit. All <laughs> 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 right, so they, well, they drag the corpse out and uh, they go, this one looks pretty hot, actually. Yeah. Still got it. You get style points. So if if, <laughs> if the car's crashed and gotten a bit mangled, but like the seatbelt imprint has like really merged nicely with the airbag. Oh, yeah, right. Does like a little bit of a sponge print pattern. Yeah, that's that's nice. And may, yeah, maybe the seatbelt uh, for the winner would be a sash saying, uh, Mr. Crash Test or whatever. <laughs> I, I passed the we'll get, crash test. We'll get dummy. Trump involved. Yeah, I think this could be big. Really big. Mr. Crash, I mean, uh, Mr. or Mrs. Yeah, crash women test. can get killed in cars too. Yeah. Yeah. I apologise. We've got to get a fact check on that. I was picturing hot <laughs> men crash test dummies and that's on me. Yeah, women can also be objectifiably hot. Come <laughs> that's, on. That's true. <laughs> I was picturing a Brad Pitt type. Oh, you're always picturing a Brad <laughs> yeah, Pitt type. That's your go-to dummy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a real handsome man. He's right, right up there with uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, quarterback for the 49ers. God damn, he's handsome. I haven't seen this man. I don't know this man either. Well, you'll see him and you'll be like, that is a handsome man. I think we're missing out. Yeah. Yeah. We're recording this pre-Super Bowl, but I assume he's just won it. He puts he's won- the superb in Super Bowl, am I right? <laughs> he's just won the award for hottest Super Bowl player. <laughs> yeah. Won the award for if I were a ball, he would be the person holding the ball, yeah. please. Yeah, Thank yeah. you. <laughs> I want to be a ball for Jimmy Grappler yeah. to throw. Oh, Jimmy be- G, throw me. <laughs> I want to be a wide receiver. All right. <laughs> <laughs> So, Le Mans, the competition was designed to boost and promote technical innovation and encourage the development of the automotive industry. That sounds great. The outset. And this is like a a time when cars are evolving pretty quickly in the early 20s. Sometimes I think about times like this in the past and I'm like, it just, it would have been so exciting because there's, I mean, we've got some new technology now, but there's so many scams and we're all a bit wary. But back then, people who were doing scams, we didn't know there were scams. Can you yes. imagine when Tupperware got invented and someone's like, hey, your food will get keep fresh for a week and you're like, oh, my God, and then all the plastic stuff comes out and we don't know plastic's bad yet. So then everyone's in there being like, hey, we don't have to carry metal or glass around. It's lighter. It doesn't scratch because the whole thing's coloured. Like all the colours are vibrant. They're vibrant colours. Wow. Hey? Like how cool would it have been? And, and, and people didn't know. It. So we discovered once on an episode that uh, a Ponzi scheme is named after a guy called Ponzi who just had a scheme. Also, he wasn't the person who invented it. It was a woman <laughs> <laughs> in the same town. Is that true? I was, well, reading, I was reading something Cassie. that was saying that the first Ponzi scheme was actually by a woman who lived in the same town. And it's like, oh, God, where are the girl bosses? Can't even be original. My Cass, girl boss history. You kind of stepping on my toes a bit here. I'm actually the feminist of the pod. So. Uh, oh, I'm so sorry. So, <laughs> I should uh, know my place. Yeah, please just, <laughs> if you're going to. If we're ever going to talk about a women can do it too, that's sort of my oh, area, yeah, yeah. Yeah. if you don't I'll, mind. I'll leave it to you then. But did Dave did the report about this Ponzi guy, didn't you? Did you oh, mention that? No, I that? talked about the guy who sold the Eiffel Tower. Oh, that's right. Twice. What? Yeah, it was a, it was a scam. People thought they were buying it. He got away with it too. So, um, and We've also done a report on the history of Tupperware. Yeah, that was a believe? bonus report, I think, yeah. on a Patreon yeah. bonus episode. 
We're running out of topics. <laughs> <laughs> We've done them all. Name something, Cass. We've done it. Oh. That's why Dave's having to specifically do Le Mans 1954. We've <laughs> yeah. done all the other exactly. Le Mans. I don't want to burn future topics. The good thing is one happens every year, so we've got a new one coming up Thank this year. God. You just got to wait. It's a time game now. <laughs> so our Le Mans teams compete Much to create. Like uh, they create reliable and fuel-efficient vehicles that need little pit stops. Rather than race for a certain amount of laps or distance like they do in F1, the winner of Le Mans is the team that's covered the most distance over 24 hours. Our drivers and racing teams strive for speed and avoiding mechanical damage, as well as managing the car's fuel, oil, tyres and braking materials. So you can't just go flat out the whole time because you risk your car breaking down. Because yeah, in F1, they have to replace the wheels every couple of laps, right? Yes. Well, they, they I think they... Tyres. I, I think it's a couple of times per race often. Yeah. But with this, there's actual rules about how often you can do your pit stop. You can't pit until like lap 35 or something. Huh. Uh, and it's the same with the uh, the oil, the fuel. So you've got to really time it properly. And that's part of it. It's, it's a, there's a lot of uh, scheming. Cool. Uh, this is what's called an endurance race, which is now its own category, with Le Mans being the oldest active endurance racing event. Le Mans has some unique rules in the world of motorsport, one of which is that the cars must be switched off while refueling in the pits. Like in F1, they try and do everything in about two seconds flat, change the tyres, refuel, all that sort of stuff. But in Le Mans, you can't turn the, you've got to turn the car off. Not only is this safer and less of a fire hazard, but it's also a test of reliability as cars with the guaranteed ability to restart many times under race conditions are harder to make. So you've got to factor that in as well. Right. Does that mean at the little pit stop, they've got the signs that you have at the petrol station? Being yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Please turn off car, turn off engine. Do not attach this hose to this one. <laughs> no, no, mobile phone. no mobile yeah. phone. <laughs> My friend from uni when he was uh, 18 pulled in to fill up his car at the petrol station and the thing wasn't working and then he just hears an announcement over the, the PA, you're too young, you're too young to fuel the car. <laughs> He's like, I'm 18. <laughs> you're too young to fuel the car. He thought that someone had sent their 12-year-old kid out to <laughs> fill the car up. Mate, so I just, like God's I just, looking down. <laughs> I drove you. Step away from the fuel pump. That's interesting. I think I saw a Mythbusters once that debunked the mobile phones can spark a fire. Oh, thing. I watched that one. They and they just kept going until it did. But it took a lot of right. effort. A lot of phones. A lot of. I think a lot of. They had phone. to get one a really big phone. And they had to they had to enclose the space because right. petrol stations are often open air. So they have to set the phone on fire. <laughs> they also had to use a lighter. <laughs> <laughs> they had to do so much to make it work. Yeah, everyone ignores that rule, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think it's it's is it is still a rule? I, yeah, but the photos of the phones are st- the, the sorry the pictographs are still very old phones. Right, like you got a twelve number keypad. Yeah, yeah, and then the like, one you're pulling up the antenna on, yeah. and the phone is on fire. So, <laughs> uh, because no one can, or rather should, drive for 24 hours straight, drivers race in teams, sharing just one vehicle and then swapping when they pit stop. Oh, good. It used to be teams of two, but now these days three drivers have to share it. The race is run in June on one of the shortest nights of the year in France to get maximum daylight. But it's also often really hot and the conditions inside the car are quite unbearable. Right. Well, that's good. You've got to see if the aircon's going to hold out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You've got to have the aircon going full belt. The racetrack itself is named the Circuit de la Sarte. The mate, like anything in French just sounds fancy. What does that mean? Uh, bum-shaped track or something? <laughs> is that just circle, circle, circle? Like it's key? Like what? How, what is 
Uh, it's just how French people say circuit and then de la Sarte. I don't know what that means. But it consists of both permanent track and public roads temporarily closed for the race. So there's a bit that's always there and then they also block off. So the town's probably like, for God's sake. <laughs> Le Mans on again. Hate this it's day. car day. <laughs> uh, the track has changed a lot over the decades. Originally, it was 17 kilometres or 10 miles long. These days, it's just 13.5k or 8.4 miles long. The track also used to feature... The Molsan Strait, which is a famously long piece of road that was 6K or 3.7 miles long, meaning drivers could hit ludicrous speeds. Oh. Up to 85% of the lap time is spent on full throttle, so putting this puts immense pr- stress on engines and drivetrain components. So it's a pretty brutal, brutal track. Did you say they got rid of the long stretch of road? Yes, they did for safety reasons, That's which good. we will talk about. Oh, did, did they get rid of the track this year that we're discussing? Uh, they put they will put in some uh, safety measures, but it's it's an ever evolving thing. The track changes has a changed has changed lots over the years because of further incidents. <laughs> but the biggest incident is 1955, which we'll talk about. But the inaugural 24-hour of Le Mans event was in 1923 and both the race and festivities took place throughout the streets of Le Mans in northwestern France and that's where it gets its name. It's very close to that town. It's on the outskirts. That race had 33 entrants, of which 30 finished, which is quite remarkable considering they started just minutes after a hailstorm had come through. Oh, wow. <laughs> in fact, it wasn't until the 1993 Le Mans that 33 cars again finished the whole race. So pe- people constantly retire because they either crash or their car more commonly just gives up. Yeah. Mm. It's, yeah, it's like it is more brutal than it sounds. It's, it's sort of it's like you drive around in a circle for a day. Yeah. It doesn't sound that bad. How could it be? Yeah. It's, well, even doing an eight-hour shift of driving in a circle, Yeah, I feel like you'd feel like you were leaning one way by the end of the day, right? Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. That's why the eight-hour mark, they go in reverse just to sort of <laughs> balance it out. They hit it into reverse. They put one arm over the seat behind them and then <laughs> they just do that for eight hours. Backing it up. How am I doing back there? <laughs> that would, I mean, that would be a good test of car. They should do another Le Mans. Yeah, the 24-hour reverse. Le Nom and <laughs> you just back it up the whole time. You just hear a constant beep, beep. <laughs> <laughs> you just got another guy outside being like, "You good? You good? You good? Yeah, no, you good? Yep. You good? Yep, yep, so yep, good? Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you good? No, uh, watch your back, right? Nah, that's good. Straighten up. Straighten yeah. up. You good? I'll tap. I'll tap the back when you're good. I love when people do that, but then they go from good to stop so quickly. Good, good, good. No, 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 no. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, just say. Yeah, we need a medium. Yeah, thing a little here. bit. Here. I always because yelling. Every time I do this, I try and put a thumbs up in view of the driver and as it starts to like get a bit close, I start tilting it down. So <laughs> like get, an like, old emperor. Like, <laughs> so I'm it's like thumbs up, thumbs up, getting a bit closer. Oh, we're at 45, we're at 45. And then it'll, then they'll get really close and I'll just thumbs down. Oh, like, that's nah, good. You're good. I re- the, and this is all good stuff for podcasts, but I, the one I reckon works really well is people do like their hands apart how big the gap is. <laughs> so as you're backing back, they're going like this. Oh, that and is, the gap shrinking. That's much more helpful than just giving a thumbs up. But then, well, I think the thumb's much more helpful than just going, yep, yep, yep. No, 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 no. <laughs> but, but with the hands thing, do the people also 
audibly communicate or it gets to crashing and their hands are just <laughs> yeah, together. They're well, they're just they're they're the other side. <laughs> yeah. Well, as soon as oh. your hands are touching, you're praying for the driver. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's right. right. <laughs> God rest your soul. <laughs> you good? You good? You good? <laughs> <laughs> oh, so the inaugural Le Mans was run by two French drivers uh, who were driving in a Chenard Welker, a French car that I've never heard of. Through looking at the history of Le Mans, there is a bunch of car companies that no longer exist right. and haven't been uh, anywhere near my lifetime. Uh, all up, they covered two thousand two hundred nine kilometers in twenty four hours, which is yeah, seems like that sounds that sounds pretty good. What's pretty, that? Like, how What's big that is case Australia? per hour? It's not quite a hundred, is it? That's I mean, but back in nineteen twenty three, years that ago, non-stop for yeah, twenty four yeah. hours is amazing. Yeah, but yeah, and they're going on curvy roads and stuff, and it's not it's not a race race. Yeah, yeah, but but in, by comparison, modern competitors often cover well over 5,000 kilometres in the day. Wow, that's amazing. The record was set in 2010 when 5,410 kilometres or 3,360 miles was covered. So how, how big something that I know what it is? Yeah, how many MCGs is that? Yeah, how, <laughs> how many laps of the MCG? <laughs> what, let how me, many McGs do we I have? think while you're looking that up, I was just thinking about all these car companies that have gone. I think... I think that was like in the early days. I think all these little businesses would make cars oh. and they'd, you know, so they'd come and go, little businesses that would fail. But it would just be, I think some of those were just, you know, an engineer and his, with a small team or sometimes making them himself. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, it's kind of cool. I've, I was reading a little bit recently about the history, early history of, of um, the motor industry. And it was, it was interesting. Like, I think uh, Henry Ford started up this company. And then what he, do they call it? Uh, <laughs> I can't remember. This is one. Of, this this is before Ford, and he was it, he, was it Henry? Henry, yeah. And he left. <laughs> he called it Henry, but he <laughs> left it, and it and it got renamed uh, the Cadillac Company. And that is what like early, and then the you know Dodge, the company Dodge. Oh yeah, that was those the Dodge brothers. I think were involved in that early. It was just like they were, this tiny little industry with all these little companies. I suppose making sort of inter- a car is pretty weird. Yeah. And not everyone knows how to do it. Like, and we've got mechanics now, but back in the day, yeah, there were mechanics really waiting for the moment the cars were invented. <laughs> <laughs> they are oh, finally now I got something to do. On day one, the I've been doing nothing with these pistons. <laughs> <laughs> Their instructors like, guys, mo- honestly, most of you probably won't get a job out of this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're doing it for the love. So, for context, cast, I don't know if this will help you at all. The distance from Melbourne to Cairns and back is about five and a half thousand kilometers. That helps heaps. So you wow. do that. That's so, it's, so you could in drive. To, so you could drive to Cairns in twelve hours. These guys. Holy shit! But yeah, if you're doing it on public roads at the moment, if we left Melbourne right now, it would take us thirty-one hours. Yeah, I was right. going to. I've considered driving up to Queensland before, and then I stopped considering it. It was too big. And that's not just to Queensland. Or can I've never been that far Can't, north. Oh yeah. Isn't Cairns like Cairns up up? Yeah, it's very. It's that's FNQ. I think isn't like Melbourne to Brisbane and then is about halfway, I think, and then Brisbane to the really? top is another half. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. It's Something like that. Our states are very large. Yeah, and it's weird because th- I think of, uh, you know, growing up sort of Brisbane, Gold Coast, that's Queensland, but that's right down the bottom Yeah, just, just inside really. So a few things have changed over the years. That's the first one, 1923. Until the 70s, Le Mans was famous for the Le Mans start which had drivers start outside their vehicles, run to their cars, start the engines <laughs> like and a drive game off. Show or something. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> and if you watch videos of it, it is 
pretty chaotic because there's all these cars. Usually, it's a grid formation. You qualify, like in Formula One. Oh yeah. If you're the fastest, you're you're at the front. If you're the slowest, you're up the back. Like in Mario Kart as well, I suppose. But what? with this one, you're all lined up in the pits and you run to your car and you all just try and go as quickly as possible. And obviously. You get a bottleneck on that first corner. Yeah. That so, seems very like Mr. Magoo, wow. Mr. Bean. I'm thinking a goofy fella when I'm thinking about <laughs> yeah, this. Yeah. this goofy fella race. I, is the footage in slight – is it slightly sped up when you watch the footage? <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, a lot of old footage is slightly sped up yeah. a little bit. Benny Hill music. <laughs> no one bends their knees properly. <laughs> it's too much or not at all. So this proved to be quite dangerous, so the procedure was changed, but not until the 70s. It's gone on to be coveted in the world of motorsport, and Britannica describes the race as probably the world's best-known automobile race. Oh. Okay. So They say that that's still the case? Yeah. More than Bathurst. That's interesting. <laughs> Second only <laughs> to Mount Panorama. Come on. <laughs> what about Brocky? <laughs> Brocky. King of the mountain. <laughs> Dick said, Johnson, <laughs> hey? What about Dick? <laughs> Dickie. Well, today Le Mans is one of the eight races that compose the International Automobile Federation World Endurance Championship. So there's a bunch of these endurance races where it is a timed event. But the race is part of what is known as the Triple Crown of Motorsport, the EGOT of the racing world. <laughs> oh. And you're, you're never going to believe it, but Bathurst isn't in the three. Oh, Can you okay. believe it? Politics, I'm guessing. Yeah. <laughs> so we got Le Mans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what, like Sandown? The Sandown 500? <laughs> <laughs> it's weird. I would, you know, you'd think it'd be Bathurst. But... Bathurst? No, Clips all made it. But, uh... <laughs> no, it's, it's an unofficial list of the most prestigious motor races in the world. Uh, and if you get the triple crown of motorsport, that's if you win them all in one career. The races are the Indianapolis 500 in America, right. the 24-hour of Le Mans and the Monaco Grand Prix. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, that's just one race in one a, race in a in calendar. A big yeah, competition, and they're all very different races. Has anyone ever gone close? Only one person has won all three. Jack Brabham. Well, you know, thought that... I just had a swing. You know, <laughs> have a crack. How cool would that have been? It would be so good. Right. Really good. Cass, do you want to have a crack as well? Um, Brocky. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry, Cass. As a feminist, I thought I'd answer for you. <laughs> Thank you. It's really good to be spoken for. Tony Martin. Tony Martin. Tony Martin. Now, Obviously the actor or the comedian? Yes. Both yes. speed demons. I think Tony Martin, two first names. A lot of people have both for... No, some people don't have last names. Uh, my ears are burning. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, Stuart. <laughs> but I think I think that's a safe bet. I think that's a common... It's a common enough name that I don't think Honestly, I'm in with a bad chance for the Tony Martin. Tony Martin, it is in that sort of category of name. Uh, the only person who's won all three of the Triple Crown of Motorsport is British driver Graham Hill. Oh. That is in the same category of name, isn't it? Yeah. He could be a comedian or a talk show host or an actor. Yes, Hill tonight. Uh, so some people replace the Monaco Grand Prix with the entire Formula One World Championship. They say to win the Triple Crown, really, you've got to win the Indianapolis 500, you've got to win Le Mans, and you've got to be a... Champion that makes more sense one. to me. That, right. And uh, yeah. the answer is don't worry because Graham Hill also won the championship in 1962 and 1968. So oh, even by that even that metric, he is the only one who's ever done it. Love it. Sadly, he died in a plane crash in 1975. He's a car man. Yeah. Just stay on the ground. Shouldn't, shouldn't have been in like the sky. Like Icarus. Yeah. 
Uh, his son, Damon Hill, also won the Formula One World Championship in 1996. Uh, I was wondering if there was a connection there. When I was a kid, Damon Hill, was he was a big deal for a he little was, while. He was the guy. Do you remember him? You yeah, seem yeah. like a guy who'd like Formula One. I Because my dad's really into motorsport. Right. Yeah, so. I say you seem like that. What, what I meant was I've got a memory of you being into it. <laughs> I think that is allowed. Okay, great. <laughs> uh, there's a bit of a history of father-son drivers in motorsport. Probably my favourite Le Mans story concerns French driver Louis Rosier, who entered the 1950 Le Mans with his son Jean-Louis. So the whole race goes for 24 hours, right? Mm. The senior Rosier drove for 23 hours and 15 minutes, <laughs> only stopping to have a break in the middle so he could go to the bathroom, change the rocker shaft of his car personally, clean up the mess from said work, and then have some lunch. He only let his son drive two laps, but incredibly, they still won. That is, when you said there's a lot of father-son teams, it's like, hey, that kind of makes sense. Like, if you, it's like how a lot of cooks and chefs will have influence from, like, their parents. It's one of those things that it's a pass-down skill. And it's also very funny that he was like, nah, mate, you don't get to drive the car. <laughs> I don't, nah, I don't trust you. Yeah. Now, oh, yeah, my son can do it. My boy, we did it together. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> technically they are both champions of Le Mans, but really he's like, I do not trust you. Absolutely Borrowing not. my Ferrari. <laughs> It's the most dad thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> so I love good. that. Uh, Le Mans is also the race that started the tradition of winning drivers showering each other in champagne. Oh, how did oh, that start? Really glad that sentence finished. <laughs> <laughs> I love I love driving. I love being in motorsport. The best thing is just the, how much care we have for each other as drivers. Showering uh, we, we clean each other, lather each other up. It's just really nice. Well-oiled machine on the field. <laughs> Well, old machine off track. Yeah, track, right. track, on the track, off the track. Off the track, we're well-lathered machines. <laughs> <laughs> uh, since 1950, the winner of the race has been given a bottle of champagne to be like, congratulations, here you go. Oh, and they just waste it? That sucks. I mean, you got to, I mean, I personally don't like champagne, so I sort of understand, but. Well, for the first. Give it to someone who wants it. <laughs> don't just waste it. And it's, it's proper, like, Chandon stuff. But in 1960, so first of all, used to get the bottle of champagne. I imagine you'd drink it, you'd treasure it, whatever. But in 1966, a uh, year that nothing else happened in the world of sport. Yes, I'll just stop Dave there. Yes. That is actually the year that the Saints won their one and only VFL slash AFL premiership. Huh. Yeah. And Matt talks about it a lot. It was also the year that um, the Super Bowl uh, basically was born. Uh, that year a deal was made that the AFL and NFL would come together and play an end-of-year championship that w- – Went on to be called the Super Bowl. We did last week did an episode about the Super Bowl, and uh, the Chicago Bulls were founded in 1966. Oh my oh, god, yeah. I didn't know. That. I honestly thought when I wrote nothing else happened in the world of sport that nothing did. But there you England go. won the the, the <laughs> football world cup. Football uh, world. They won the football world <laughs> yeah, cup. Good on them. But also in 1966, Matt, if you want to add to your list, Joe Siffert. A driver accidentally shot off the top of the bottle that he was given and it showered the public. And everyone was like, oh, this is a bit of fun. It's an accident. I've That's al- so funny. I've always wondered, because the champagne, the fizzy stuff, would it feel nice or would it feel immediately sticky? Because it's not as sugary as Coke right. or like a, a soda. Because you think you're getting like soda splash on you, like ugh, immediately awful. But if it's not as sugary, would it be nice? 
And if the bubbles are a bit gentler. Like, I mean, it's still grape juice, right? So it would be pretty sticky. Yeah, I imagine it would suck, but everyone seems to have a good time. Yeah, yeah so sometimes you see them cleaning out their eyes like, oh, my God, this hurts. This it hurts. doesn't. I don't like the idea of it. I'm not a big fan of being sticky. No, I And that's why you've never won. You've come, that's right. come forth every time on purpose. Don't want to get on the podium. Yeah. I've got, I've got a fear, of, po- splash, fear of podium. Yeah. <laughs> So that's the first one, 1966. According to the 24-Hour of Le Mans website, spectators wanted more. And the following year, Dan Gurney, a talented and cheerful prankster of a driver, oh. this is again Le Mans' words, forever changed the destiny of the famous bubbles. The American winner for Ford decided to reproduce the scene from 1966, shaking the bottle that he'd been given. The cork exploded out of the bottle and the public rejoiced. And the rest is history. So they do it every year now. And now it's in... Multiple sports, like even when uh, Australia happen. won the Ashes. A couple, yeah, that, uh, and that made the news a lot because uh, Usman Khawaja's uh, Muslim, and he so he can't have alcohol on him. I think so. They started spraying it, and and Usman Khawaja had to like leap off the podium so he wouldn't get. <gasps> and then the captain. Uh, this is what made what made it make news. The new Australian captain Pat Cummings is like told everyone he's like, don't do that. Our teammate can't be here if you do that. Mm. And and the story's being written like, now that's leadership. This guy, he saw that one of the... It's like, I think that just it feels... It kind of felt like just common decency, but also... It feels very trying to pick the bar off off of the ground and be like, <laughs> look what I found. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but still, I mean, I guess it was, if... Yeah, if that's growth, then good on your Australian cricket. It's It's really interesting when the bar is on the floor... And we applaud someone even if they get over it by way of tripping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, even Kawaja also, he like tweeted about it saying it, it made him feel really respected and stuff. So it was, it was a nice story. But that is good. But it kind of feels like, you know, if your friend's got a food allergy and you're like, oh, cool, I didn't put gluten in the cake. They're like, oh, my God, you didn't put gluten <laughs> in the cake? It's like, yeah, it would make you sick. Why would I put gluten in the cake? They're like... That's really kind of you. I'm like, is it? I don't think that's kind. <laughs> I think it would have been mean if I put gluten in the cake. No, it's <laughs> kind, and I'm contacting journalists to talk about it. <laughs> uh, so that's uh, that's the story of the champagne, where that's all come from. But one of the most well-known Le Mans is 1955, and it is not remembered for the right reasons, but it did change motorsport forever. The 1955 24-hour event was the 23rd edition of Le Mans and took place June 11 and June 12 that year. And between 250 and 300,000 spectators packed out the stands. Say that again? 250 to 300,000 spectators shit. turned up. That's good. that's ridiculous, right? Huge. It's very, yeah. very... That's like three MCGs. Whoa. Wow. That's like enough people <laughs> to line up from here to Cairns and back. <laughs> Holy shit. And at the time, Ferrari were the reigning Le Mans champions and they arrived with the new 735LM. When I think of... Reliable cars. I think Ferraris. Just something. I don't want a flashy car. I just want a nice, reliable A to B car. I just want to get there. I, yeah. I know I'm going to get there. I know I'm going to get there safely. And, you know, their emblem's a horse. Yeah. The most stable and normal animal. <laughs> and I want to get there and I don't want anyone to look at me. No. Yeah. I don't want to make Arrive in peace. What do they say? Move in silence. Mm. Make my moves in silence. That's that's me. That's, that's Ferrari. Ferrari. <laughs> <laughs> and you say it's a re- super reliable car. My mum worked as a librarian, and as part of like, they, they classically drive a lot of Ferraris. Yeah, yeah, of course. If you look in the uh, in the parking lot at the Eltham Library, it was absolutely ridiculous. Uh, wall to wall Ferrari. But 
they carried in their catalogue a bunch of um, manuals for different cars so people could do works on things like Toyota Corollas, Mazda 3s, sort of very common cars. But one day a lady came in and asked if they had a the catalogue on a very specific type of Ferrari because she wanted to do her own service. And it's like, if you can afford a Ferrari, surely you can pay a mechanic to look after it. And some like people do it as a hobby, Dave. She might have just been wanting to get her hands dirty, get get to work. Yeah. You, have you ever had that moment in your life where uh, I'm going to say no immediately? But yes. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you you think of a task and you're like, oh, you know what? Maybe I could do that. Do you know what something? Still that, no. <laughs> well, hey, this is horribly depressing, but I've started to be doing a lot more for myself recently because. It'll be things like, oh, you know, make a make a purse or like knit a top or whatever, <laughs> or do my own uh, safe electronics works <laughs> because like kids do it every day. Yeah, for the free. kids can do it. So why can't I do it? <laughs> That's a good point, Cass. And how have you gone? Oh, fine. Still alive? Yeah, still alive. It's completely fine. <laughs> it's completely fine. Sounds pretty defensive, but. <laughs> 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 so Ferrari rock up They're the defending champions They've got this new uh, car Powered by a, a straight six engine Derived from the previous year's Formula 1 car So they're looking hot uh, Jaguar had thrown all of their resources At winning the race In an attempt to regain the crown They'd won two years previously So they'd been on top recently But Ferrari's taken over Their, their team, Jaguar Consisted of 1953 winners Tony Rolt and Duncan Hamilton but more importantly for our story, they also had a car with up-and-coming English star Mike Hawthorne, who'd Ooh. been stolen from Ferrari. It's a real Hollywood-sounding name to me. Yeah, Mike that Hawthorne. sounds like a man yeah. who's been poached. For sure. That sounds like, yeah, you can imagine that man. He's working on his own Ferrari. Yeah. He's under the hood. And a Hawthorne was paired with rookie and fellow Englishman Ivor Buerb. So they're, they're one team, and I'm going to talk about Mike Hawthorne quite a bit, so... Remember him. So Ferrari and Jaguar, they're the favourites. However, Mercedes were certainly ones to watch, fresh from a triumphant debut of their new 300 SLR in the Mille Miglia, which is a thousand-mile race made up of public roads across Italy. That sounds fun. Yeah. They just drive across across Italy. So does that mean the public roads are still open? So they are doing a race while, like, no one's <laughs> ducking to the shop. Get out of the way! <laughs> I'm not. I imagine they're closing the roads, but I think it would be more fun if they were open to the public. Oh, for still. sure! And if you're like, you got people crossing in front of you. Oh yeah, you still have to give way for pedestrians. Traffic like you, we're trying to figure out if it's a reliable car. Like reliable cars need to deal with these things. Absolutely, you're absolutely right. You need to be able to brake really suddenly for the cyclist. Uh-huh. You need to be able to brake really suddenly when the light turns yellow and you haven't really been in this area very much and you don't know how long it's going to take you to get across the crossing. So you just slam on your brakes because. You don't want your demerits or anything. Oh, my goodness. That's the other thing. They had to stick to the speed limit. <laughs> yeah. Every, they start off the race with their actual license. Yeah. they got to time it so they're not going through school zones between yeah. 2 and 3.30 or whatever it is. A lot of, lot of navigation here. So Mercedes had three teams, but the lead car was driven by Sterling Moss. Oh, Really Incredible name. name. An acclaimed British Formula One driver who would go on to be called the greatest driver never to win the Formula One World Championship. Wow. I prefer Sterling Moss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a bit of a mouthful. Sterling Moss is a very cool name. Yeah. Very cool name. I, I'm picturing like a forgery in an elven garden. 
How beautiful. <laughs> Sterling Moss. Very good. Um, so he just won the Mille Miglia, and he was again to race for Mercedes, teaming up with another absolute giant of motorsport, Argentinian Juan Manuel Fangio. Another fantastic name. Uh, Fangio had already won two Formula One World Championships at this stage, and he would go on to win three more, a record that stood until Michael Schumacher broke it 46 years later. Fangio holds the still holds the highest winning percentage in Formula One history at 46.15%, winning 24 of the 52 F1 races that he entered. Wow, so that's he, ridiculous. Yeah, he is like very... Very, very uh, important for the sport. And if that's not enough, my dad had a poster of him in his study, so you know he's the real deal. Oh, yeah. Fangio. My dad would talk about him. You'd have to... I know that driving the car is the important bit. Oh, yeah. But did he only start winning after the poaching, or...? Like, how much of it is car? No, so uh, Mike Hawthorne was the one that was poached. Fangio was uh, driving for a few different teams. Oh, okay. But so he, he he got a near fifty percent record for multiple different makers. Yeah, I guess that's what I'm asking. Like, is, yeah, because winning the, more in a certain it, car, or it feels like like that definitely comes into it, right? Because it, it's one sport where it's like, you know, running. It's 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 all it's on you. you. But yeah, this is like horse racing. Like, what if the horse sucks? <laughs> yeah, he raced for Alfa Romeo, Maserati, Mercedes, and Ferrari. Yeah, that feels like that confirms he's pretty handy. Yeah, that's good. That's very good. Yeah, so... He's got the heaviest foot in the game. He's still seen as one of the greatest of all time. Yeah, it feels like that should be true. <laughs> Nicknamed uh, El Maestro the Master or the Teacher. Ooh. Oh. El Maestro. Now, very that's cool. a nickname. That And the Teacher? That's that's a good one because the, imp- the implication that he shared his knowledge. Yeah. I love that. He went to the Cuban Grand Prix once and uh, he was so famous that someone kidnapped him. <laughs> what? And uh, For like a, a, a political stunt. And I think <laughs> he later said they treated me very well. Oh, fantastic. And then when, he was, then when they were telling him about why they were kidnapping him, he was like, I don't mind. I don't care. I'm not, I, I, I don't, I don't get me into the politics. I don't care. <laughs> let me teach you driving. <laughs> yeah, let me teach you. Anyway, what I'm trying to say is that they've got an incredible team. Sterling Moss is a very good driver. Fangio, one of the greatest drivers of all time. They're driving for Mercedes. Mercedes also had an American, John Fitch, who was paired up with one of the elder state, statesmen of French motor racing, Pierre Levey. Also, I've heard it pronounced Levesque, but I will say Pierre Levey. So observers were anticipating a tight contest between the three teams, Ferrari, Jaguar, Mercedes. Yeah. Other manufacturers, you've probably heard of most of these, included Maserati, Aston Martin, Porsche, MG, and a private entry of an Austin Healey, driven by an F1 driver from England, Lance Macklin. So, really cool names. A lot of yeah, cool names, and I fired out a lot there. So to recap, to try and get some of these in your minds, yep. recap, the main players in our story, I remember there's dozens of drivers in the event, but we've got a Mercedes driven by Fangio and Sterling Moss, another Mercedes driven by Pierre Levey, Frenchman, mm-hmm. Jaguar had Mike Hawthorne, and Lance Macklin was driving in Austin Healey. And it should be pointed out that every time these drivers got into car- into their cars, they were potentially risking their lives. Before this race, eight drivers had already died at the same track whilst competing in Le Mans. And in Formula One, which had only been launched five years earlier, seven men had died, including two in the month before Le Mans 1955. Wow. So it'd be, it'd be just front of mind that it's... Yeah, and so these accidents, they're not uncommon and they're, they're driving really, really quick and the, the cars have gotten really fast in an 
incredibly short amount of time. Yeah, so the safety stuff hasn't kept yeah, up hasn't necessarily. Yeah, it hasn't quite kept up, yeah. Wow. And they're racing on the same tracks too that were built for slower cars. Yeah. Uh, the 1955 race started off with the traditional running start. Drivers running to get behind the wheel and just take off. Love it. And it was an exciting kickoff. <laughs> Remember that it's supposed to be an endurance event, more a marathon than a sprint, some would say. But both Mercedes and Jaguar didn't seem to get the memo because early on, Fangio for Mercedes and Hawthorne for Jaguar were repeatedly sw- swapping lap records, just right. pushing each other to go faster and faster and faster. This is despite Fangio's delayed start caused when his trouser leg snagged on a gear shift lever. <laughs> <laughs> despite that, he was still able to get to, up to the front, but yeah, he was delayed. Yeah, it's, it's make that running start seem so ridiculous when you realise that they're about to drive for a day. And, yeah, yeah. and it's such a small. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And what will you'll get you an extra few meters if you if you run rather yeah. than walk. <laughs> yeah, it's not like, and you'll get to the bottleneck anyway. So, yeah, it's, you're just gonna stop yourself. Unless you, yeah, unless you think you can get out in front. Yeah, that's right. If you get, if you're off. first to the bottleneck, who cares? You but, zoom out. But yeah, it just feels like it's gonna even out over twenty four hours. Yeah, that's that's just too much. Yeah. It's not like yeah. Oh my goodness. Imagine getting at the front of the bottleneck and being like, "That's what did it for me." I stayed in the front the entire race. <laughs> yeah. Well, often in, that does happen a lot in Formula One. That's why it's so coveted to be qualify first, because often people will lead from start to finish. Because you really? just get out in front, and uh, you know you get 18, 20 seconds in front of the car behind you. It's a lifetime in a Formula that One. That sounds that's like insane. a boring spectator sport. Oh yeah, it's re- it's dull when that happens. It's not every time, but it just happens quite a bit. Especially at Monaco, that Grand Prix that is part of the the Triple Crown, because it's a, that's actually on the streets of Monaco. It's a street circuit, there's base, and it's just tight, winding corners the whole time, so there's nowhere really to overtake. I went, I'm, I'm, I wasn't there at race time, but I went to Monaco and saw some of those streets. I just went there for a day. So it's a, what an interesting place. Just a place that's built on cash. Cash and casinos. Yeah. And not paying tax. Yeah. Yeah, don't you, you? You pay to become a citizen, don't you? Some big really? chunk of cash to get in, and then you don't have to pay. Yeah, that's tax why all the there. Formula One drivers and tennis players all have their residence as right. Monaco, so they don't pay their millions of dollars of tax to their home countries. Oh. That's uh, cool. <laughs> a kind <laughs> thing to do. Yeah. Oh dear. Who? Hey, the roads you grew up on don't pay for them for the next generation. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Often they've accelerated through their country's academies to be the top of their yeah. field, and then they leave. People poorer than me want healthcare? No. No. <laughs> I have the opportunity to help fund someone's cancer treatment. I'm not going to do that. I'd rather a pool. I think a, a lot of them though have uh, their own foundations, right? And that, that's they'd be like, I'm choosing where the money goes. I don't trust. I don't trust the government with taxes. Yep. I imagine that's what they would how they justify it. I have the Greg Gregson foundation and i give my money to these kids that i like (laughs) these kids my children (laughs) (laughs) yeah greg jr and greg jr jr (laughs) so fangio and mercedes uh and hawthorne jaguar pushing each other according to gq mike hawthorne had beef with mercedes and fostered a personal reason to beat them gq writes quote hawthorne's open antipathy Towards the German manufacturer, following the death of a close relative during the Second World War, merely added to this determination to crush the Mercedes challenge. Wait, that's like an Anglo-German 
beef. Is that what he means? It's like it was a, a war. Sounds delicious. Yeah, so because this is... <laughs> <laughs> Wago. Put me down for one of those. German Does it come in pie form? Beef burger. So this is, it's only 10 years after the Second World War is finished and he's gone, they're Germany's most famous car manufacturer. I'm going to crush uh, By lap four, Mercedes, Jaguar and Ferrari cars filled the top eight places. Oh. So they're really leaving the rest of the field for dead. So the favourites were performing as well as expected. After an hour, Ferrari made a mistake letting Fangio in the Mercedes and Hawthorne in the Jaguar to the front of the race, still exchanging lap records, which was finally set by Mike Hawthorne. But then at 6.20pm, at the end of lap 35, when the pit stops were due, disaster struck. At this stage, Mike Hawthorne in the Jaguar was leading. He flew past Lance Macklin in the much slower Austin Healy. He's lapping him. Yeah. He's a full lap in front. But having got the order from his Jaguar crew to head into the pits to fill up on fuel, Hawthorne braked sharply and turned in front of Macklin, who we'd just overtaken. So he pulls in front and Dog then goes, axe. Oh, I've got to go in here. Brake. He's really cutting someone off. The Jaguar had great brakes and Hawthorne slowed really quickly. Macklin and the Austin Healy attempted to brake but couldn't in time, so he had to swerve around the Jaguar that he saw now rapidly approaching him. Oh, my God. So he swerved to the left and hit the brakes and then pulled back into the middle of the track. But this put him into the path of Pierre Levey, who was driving a Mercedes behind him. The Frenchman in the Mercedes was doing 150 miles or 230 kilometres an hour and had no time to brake and his front right wheels oh my God. smashed into the back of Macklin. LeVay simply had no time to evade collision and with possibly his last action raised his hand, warning Fangio who was behind him. Fangio later said that this action saved his life. He said, I was doing 260 kilometres an hour. Just before we reached the first pits, I saw in front of me, hardly more than 50 metres away, LeVay suddenly raised his hand. Oh my God. He was warning me of some danger I could not see. I braked, but at that speed, there was no question of pulling up in a few metres. Everything occurred so quickly that I could not see all that happened. I saw LeVay shoot off to the right, while Macklin's Austin Healy was thrown to the left in front of me. How I got through and missed Macklin, I don't know. So he kept going. He's, he's safe. LeVay was certainly not as lucky. He's the one that's just put his hand up. He drove up the back left of Macklin's car, which launched LeVay into the air and catapulted him off the track and onto an embankment. He basically accidentally used the, the back of Macklin as a ramp. Yeah. Oh, God. And this all happens in like a split second, all these actions. And this is within, like, after the first hour, did you say? Uh, it's 35 laps in, so it's a couple of hours in. And this is all That's because... So, two, yeah, two hours into the race. That's so early. It's so early. All because the Jaguar... He could have done another lap and... Yes, but he at the last second went, oh, I've got to pull to the pits, braked. So it's just like an, inst- like an inst- instinct thing. And then the guy yeah. behind him had to swerve. And then because he swerved, oh. the guy behind him, LeVay, rammed him and flew into the air. Really unlucky timing, I guess. But, yeah. I just, that's so soon in. Like, wait, like mm. thinking about, like, when you do anything long haul, you have to do, like, even if you do, like, a shift for eight hours, like two hours in flies past pretty quickly because yeah. you are planning for a very long thing. So for 24 hours, I can't imagine how quickly that would... You People who, like 300,000 people showing up on their chairs being like, oh, yeah, or well, nothing. It's only the first couple of hours. Let's yeah, just, nothing will happen for a bit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's go get a fromage. Like yes. pick me up some croissant, um, croissant, sorry. but th- Maybe t- a pom. 
A pom, pom de terre. Yeah, maybe a pom de terre. Pom, uh, <laughs> cafe, or maybe uh, yeah, uh, a chocolat. Oh, uh, maybe an escargot. Oh, are, there any, are there any French restaurants nearby? Because I'm, so I'm feeling <laughs> like for lunch. <laughs> uh, yeah, that I just, I just, I forgot about the three hundred thousand as well. Are they at, at? Are they there for the whole twenty four hours? They come in, in in bits and pieces. There's a, at about night, seven it, people watching at any one time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they're also very spread out because the track is multiple miles per long. Right, miles long per. They would just there's a kid watch someone die from flying out the top of a car, right? Yes. Well, let me talk about that. So Levey was thrown from his car. He's the one that launched up into the air. He was launched back onto the track where he died instantly. During this period in motorsport, cars were more combustible and drivers less shielded from the effects of a crash and therefore chose not to wear seatbelts, preferring to be thrown clear of a car in the event of a crash rather than get trapped inside and probably get burnt. Wow. Uh. Looking at the footage of the crash, it's hard to imagine LeVay surviving either way. His car, there was nothing left. Holy shit. His car landed on the embankment between the, ins- between the spectators and the track, bounced, then slammed into a concrete stairwell structure oh and disintegrated. God. The car flew over spectators and rolled end over end for 80 metres. Debris from his disintegrating car flew into the crowd, including his engine block, suspension, radiator, and the bonnet of his car. It was a grisly scene, and that is putting it lightly. Holy shit. Did, did anyone in the crowd get hurt? Uh, yes. Oh. Very much so. Debris flew as far as 100 metres, oh. crushing people in its wake, oh my and then gosh. the rear of the car also burst into flames. Made of magnesium, it burst into flames as fuel ignited and showered the area with white-hot sparks, and things were made worse by rescue workers who were unfamiliar with magnesium fires who poured water over the inferno, which greatly intensified the fire. You're not supposed to put water on a magnesium fire. See, you would, I reckon, they've got to be told that. Oh, for sure. For sure. (laughs) Because I'm not blank. I'm... I would also assume that water puts out fire. Oh, man, I'd be throwing water on it straight away. Oh, my God. I'd see fire. My brain would turn off and <laughs> I would have that little fire. You know the little bear who teaches you about fire when you're in school? Did he tell you to stop, drop, and roll? Yeah. Did he, did he mention magnesium fires? No, he didn't go into magnesium Where's fires. Where's the education? Mm, <laughs> the standards have dropped far too low. Yeah. Uh, because of that, it ended up burning for hours. Oh Macklin, who'd been rammed at 250 kilometres an hour, he's the one that that braked and then LeVay drove into the back of him. He spun into the wall before sliding across the track, running into and injuring four people, but somehow both they and the driver escaped serious injury. Oh, that's great news. Because, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Obviously, uh, the poor bloke who died had nothing to do with it. How awful is the guy caused the accident feeling? But the guy on the Austin, mm-hmm. Macklin, he, he didn't do it. All he did was... Follow his dream. Yeah, follow his dream. And now, yeah, I guess you can't, I I don't know why I'm searching for someone to blame here, but it does feel unfortunate that a guy driving that fast doesn't have the poise to think, I can't just pull in front of this guy (laughs) and break. You know, it feels like you should have that in your mind that you can't do that. Mm -hmm. I'm sure it's in everyone's minds. Now, yeah. from 1978 onwards. Well, they're thinking about it. They're, and so Macklin didn't kill anyone, but they weren't the only spectators hit. LeVay's car flying into the crowd caused an unbelievable death toll. Oh, my God. Between 80 and 84 people were killed. Holy shit. I know, it's like, it's huge. And a further 120 were injured. 
In the stands, people used advertising banners to carry the injured and the dead, while others frantically searched for loved ones, and two priests who just happened to be in attendance performed last rites on the victims where they lay. It was intense scenes. Mike Hawthorne, who had overshot shot the pits, the jag, came in a lap later so he because he didn't even get into the pits because he braked too late. Yes. Yeah, so oh, my God. So... I mean, I mean, not that it would have been yeah, worth it if he like, got into oh, the pits. I was like, oh, as long as he got into the pits. But just like, <laughs> that's what you should have just done anyway. Yeah. You've, just, you've cost yourself a bit of time and a lot of lives. Yeah. And he came in a lap Is later. Is he still going, oh, the Germans can't wait to get my revenge on these bad Germans <laughs> who killed my uncle? Well, he's come in a lap later with tears streaming down his face. He was unsurprisingly oh, distraught. Oh, and dis- And despite his reluctance... Ivor Buob, his co-driver, was ordered to take over because that's right, they didn't cancel the race. Oh my god! Jesus, the, the track's on fire. The track's on fire. The stands are on fire. People are dying. People are very injured. People are trying to turn the advertising into things. They're trying to put out a magnesium fire that will burn for hours. Yeah, yeah. It feels like. Time to pull the pin. Yeah, sometimes you got to wrap it up. Sometimes calling it's a brave move. Yeah. So these days if something this severe happened, they'd wave a red flag indicating it's too dangerous to continue. The race would be instantly cancelled. But the race organisers back then, after being later criticised for this decision, defended <laughs> themselves by saying that if they'd cancelled the race, the hundreds of thousands of spectators all would have left at the same time and this would have blocked the roads for emergency services. We go, oh, okay. They also said mm. cancelling the race would have cost them lots of money. Okay. <laughs> so. Well, you could have you stopped at the first <laughs> yeah. thing. You could have, yeah. And I mean, they can of, cancel the race and shut the door. Yeah, they yeah. could go, all right, everyone in the, we can't, you can't leave yet. Obviously, we've got to let the ambulance. Yeah, so a lot in. of people have I been. I think people would understand. People have been really critical and said they just would have made an announcement and everyone would have understood. Yeah. Like, so it's not a great excuse. So the race continued. Meanwhile, it should be noted that few drivers or crews understood the severity of the accident or the growing death toll even hours after, after it happened. To quote from a Guardian article written the day after, quote, on the other side of the track, it was several hours before many people knew of the crashes. They danced in the open air and rode on funfair roundabouts because it's miles long. Oh, so pe- some people are so far away, they've got no idea it's happened. And, yeah. no, and no official announcement was made over the loudspeaker. Yeah, so the drivers wouldn't even know. Like, you'd see someone yeah. crash, you'd see someone fly out, and I'm sure there are some guesses you could have made, but, like, if you if you didn't see... No, that's right. And it, also, up, you, you and it happened so quick that, you know, they'd be on another part of the track. They, yeah. they could probably come around and see... You'd see the car on the fire, but you wouldn't know. And also, the fact, the sad reality of the race is that p- people do die at the event. Like, the, the month before, two F1 drivers had died. But not normally 84 people no, in the crowd. No, the spectators are usually safe. But you might see the car on fire and go, geez, I hope LeVay's all right. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know. Because it's the days before. These days you've got radio communication between the drivers. It's all recorded, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. But, like, you know, to waves, they're waving people into the pits. That You can't wave up a sign saying, 80 people are dead. Yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, but they definitely could have told the crowd <laughs> a, a se- severe incident has happened. Yeah, if, if you're planning to, if you crash your car, get flown out of it, you would see a crashed car on fire be like, well, he got out. Yeah, hopefully he's okay. Yeah, you'd be like, oh, not not all hope would be lost at that point. You'd be like, oh, yeah. cool, well, none of us are doing our seatbelts off. American driver John Fitch, who was the now-deceased LeVay's teammate, had been standing with LeVay's wife when the accident happened. She was understandably distraught, and he stayed with her, only leaving to make a phone call to his family to let them know that he was alive. He was thinking, right. this is going to be big news. 
they might be confused as to who was driving the car at the time because they're teammates. I'm so glad you didn't say they made him drive the backup car. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> you get out there. It was – Well, they're like, Fitch, you get out there. The car is on fire. <laughs> Only leaving to drive another 35 minutes. <laughs> yeah. So he went to make a phone call. It was then that he overheard a journalist reporting that it was already thought that 65 spectators had been killed. And only then did the true gravity of the situation become apparent even to him. He raced back to his Mercedes team and urged them to withdraw from the race. He's like, this is, this is crazy. So we've got to stop the race. Yeah. He also argued that continuing to compete would be a public relations disaster for Mercedes-Benz regardless if they went on to win or if they lost. Mm. They were already worried about their image as a German manufacturer only a decade after the end of the Second World War. Right. And he was like, he knew that this is the way that the team would respond. He's thinking this is a nightmare. We've got to stop this race. I've just watched my teammate die. But to get the multi-billion dollar company to respond, I've got to tell them that it's bad for their image. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, um, yeah, it's amazing. It's interesting because I'm, I'm thinking they're not worried about PR. This is in the 50s. This is, it feels like I'm picturing this in black and white and it's all, that's not that long ago. Like, no. Yeah. You know, Chuck Berry's making re- records at this time and stuff. It's, it's, yeah, I'm just having to keep thinking. This is actually pretty recent. Yeah, my dad. Some, my dad was a toddler. Some of the drivers racing around the track are still alive. From this right. Time. Well, there you go. Bloody They're hell. very old, but team manager Alfred Newbauer from Mercedes had already reached the same conclusion, but did not have the authority to make a decision to pull the race, slash the tires, <laughs> shoot them out, <laughs> cause another accident. Oh, this backfired. <laughs> Uh, the decision had to be made at the highest level and clearance to retire from the race was only received after all the company directors had been contacted and given their assent, which took until around midnight, so hours later. They waited until 1.45 in the morning when less spectators were around and quietly called their cars off the track into the pits. At the time, they were running first and third overall with Fangio still in the lead, but they just said, come off the track. Uh, to quote from GQ... A senior member of the Mercedes team approached Jaguar at this time to suggest that they too might like to retire from the race. In Mike an act- Hawthorne's not still going around, is he? He is driving round and round. Oh. And Mercedes said to Jag, maybe you, should, maybe you could leave in an act of solidarity. Mm. This yeah. is fucked up. The Jaguar team leader was a man possibly apt- aptly named. His name, Lofty England. Oh, my God. <laughs> Lofty England. Oh, wow. And- no first names in that one. <laughs> and just double-checking the. Jaguar, that's the that's the car that caused this accident. Mike Hawthorne's the guy yeah. who breaks. So he's still just and he was crying. distraught, and they've sent him back out. Yeah, so they sent his teammate out for a bit, and then now they've been swapping like usual. Oh, you stop crying, happy go. Yeah, <laughs> Lofty declined to stop, and they continued to race. Their car, driven by either Ivor Buib and Mike Hawthorne, who remembers the man who, who's breaking into the pits, started the chain reaction of crash, went on to win the race, winning by a margin of five laps. This was 22 hours after the accident. Jesus. So they just kept going. God knows how you concentrate after thinking yeah. thinking about that. And you're driving past it on fire every, you know, 15 oh minutes. Oh, my God. I, I, I know this is, you know, those would you rather questions. Um, I've had a would you rather question where someone's like, just say something really horrible to you happens, like you're involved in like a car accident or something. Would you rather it happens at the start of the day or the end of the day? Ooh. Like in the morning, like right as you wake up or like, right as you're going home, like, to go to bed. Like, if ah. you get into an accident and there's, like, a death or a really serious injury, which one? This is a grim would you rather, it's but I guess really they're all grim, pretty grim. They're all really grim. This one. Probably the morning. 
that's the thing because it's like you do you want time to be able the to process, to process it through, it through the day at night maybe you can go to sleep but how could you sleep yeah i know you at least in the day you you've got you can get you can you can call people yeah like there's things oh, you but can that's do, the longest day of your life it is exactly you know there's and but so you know this would be rather questions someone asked you once 10 years ago and you're just like well this is going to haunt me for the rest yeah, of my life yeah. <laughs> so i'm thinking about this so this guy not only because does it start in the morning or the afternoon it starts in the afternoon. So he he is doing both. He is having it happen at night, but also having to work. Yeah. There's no way he'd be able to process any of it, right? You just yeah. I would be surprised if he had any memory of the day. Yeah. Just flying around a track at an average of two hundred kilometers an hour, yeah. And so they won. There was no victory celebration out of respect, but winner Mike Hawthorne was still still distraught. But he was photographed smiling on a podium drinking from the victor's bottle of champagne. Okay. Uh, the French magazine Le Auto Journal published this ill-judged moment with a sarcastic quote underneath it, which translates as, To your health, Mr. Hawthorne. So, yeah. Apparently he was really upset, but he just happened to smile when someone took a photo of him. And then that became the moment. Look, if, you, if you're going into a situation where you are overwhelmed by any emotion, your brain legitimately starts shutting sections off so you're able right. to process what's happening. Oh. And it starts with your frontal lobe, which has, like, you know, your short-term memory and a bunch of other stuff in it that, you know, I think that's what switches off when you're drunk or something. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if someone just aimed a camera at him and he reflexed. He really <laughs> needs oh. – uh, he needed – the team hierarchy to look after him here and say we're, yep. we're not doing a champagne ceremony on the graves of all these people. That- it would have been so weird to be like, okay, cool, now you have to go up to the podium. Just be like, oh. Yeah. Oh. That's, oh, that's wild. That's wild that they did a champagne ceremony. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. Well, this is before the champagne. I was going to say, I don't know if they did the spray, but this was before that. So thank God that that didn't happen. Uh, As the huge death toll and magnitude of the catastrophe came to light, the world was shocked and the reaction was swift. The death toll led to an immediate temporary ban on all motorsport in France, Spain, Switzerland, West Germany and other nations until racetracks could be brought to a higher safety standard. Good. Switzerland banned all racing on motor circuits following the tragedy and they didn't hold a race again until the first Zurich E-Prix, which was held as a round of the All-Electronic Formula E Championship in 2018. Wow. That was the next race the they next, had. Holy a, shit. This is like, what, 60 years? Yeah, that's Yeah, amazing. they just... They were playing it real safe. Yeah. The other um, uh, countries brought back motorsport basically a few months later, most of them. But yep. Switzerland really, really took it seriously. An inquiry was, of course, held, and this is again from GQ, which has a great article that I will, of course, link to. The official inquiry cleared all drivers of any fault and instead pointed out that the track was woefully unprepared for a race of such speed. Right. The course had been built in 1923 when cars had a top speed of 60 miles per hour, about 100k. It had only minor adjustments since then, in spite of the fact that the cars could now reach speeds three times as fast. So, yeah, it wasn't ready for that. Doesn't sound like the organisers had yeah. the well-being of anyone at at the heart. Yeah. Think of the stockholders. Yeah. Uh, easy to say <laughs> in hindsight, of course. Of course. But sometimes you go with the flow on something and you assume everything will be okay. What do you, what's that bias where you assume 
it's like optimism bias or something. I don't think anything would happen to us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Accidents, they happen, but not to me. Yeah. <laughs> you hear about tragedies, but they happen in different places to different people. Yeah, not at this inadequately happen. set up racetrack that I've got a Come on. a big race, 24-hour oh. race happening. No. Yeah. Oh, man. So, yeah, so Mike Hawthorne was cleared in a like a pretty thorough investigation. Yeah, but even though the inquiry found no one specifically to blame, many suggested that Mike Hawthorne had cut in front of Macklin and braked too hard, including Macklin himself, the guy who'd been rammed. There were reports that immediately after the incident, Hawthorne had been weeping and admitted that he'd caused the accident. But after the race, he vehemently denied culpability, and in his 1958 biography a couple of years later, he again denied responsibility. Macklin, who had braked and been rammed by LeVay behind, took offence to this as he thought it implied that the disaster was his fault, so he sued for libel. The claim was still unresolved when on one wet January day in 1959, Hawthorne himself was killed driving his Jaguar on the Guildford Bypass. Ironically, he was... This is not in a race. Oh, my God. He was just driving. Ironically, he was overtaking a Mercedes at the time and he drove into a truck. His friend Rob Walker, who was driving the Mercedes, later admitted that they'd been racing at the time. Oh. They weren't supposed to be there on the street. Yeah, shit. So he, it was a Jaguar overtaking a Mercedes. Yeah. That's spooky. Oh. That's spooky. But this in, the, in the, the accident, it was him overtaking an Austin, right? Yeah, that's right. But the Mercedes was the one that part of Yeah, still. Yeah, that's. Uh, oh, Austin's still a car? Vaguely rings a bell. Austin is a. Yeah. Aston? Maybe that, maybe I'm thinking of Aston oh, Martin. Oh, that's why I thought of Tony Martin. <laughs> <laughs> Tony Aston Martin. But yeah, that's, uh, I think um, him him denying any, I'd be interested to hear what who he did blame for the accident if he's saying he didn't have any, he yeah. wasn't at fault. Or mm. if it was more of a, wow, the world's crazy sometimes. Yeah. And no one can be responsible for anything. Yeah. It is certainly a chain reaction, but he is at the front of the chain. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. A, like a split second decision, but yeah, geez, exa- exactly. a, a disastrous split You'd second decision. You never think that it would that would happen because sure people die, but no one kills eighty people in the in the crowd. That never happened. That hasn't yeah. happened since. Like it's right. super freak freaky. The horror of the crash caused some drivers present, including American driver John Fitch. Mm-hmm. Uh, who'd been LeVay's teammate after completing the season with Mercedes, Phil Waters, who was offered a drive with Ferrari for the rest of the season, and Sherwood Johnston to retire from racing. They just, yeah, I think they went, that's nah, fair enough. I don't want to do that anymore. And yeah, th- th- somehow this became less fun that day. Yeah. Fangio continued to race, but he never raced at Le Mans again, never went back. Mercedes-Benz withdrew from all factory-sponsored motorsports. So they pulled the pin on all, all motorsports, something they didn't reverse until 1987. Ooh. So they were out for 30 years after that. Improvements were made to the track at Le Mans and the, the stand in the pit straight was demolished. Uh, the distance between the track and spectators increased and the pit straight was redesigned and widened to remove the kink just before the start-finish line and to give room for a deceleration lane. Because before that, the pit lane had just been right there. Right. That's why it breaks really hard. So they yeah, made it gotcha. a bit safer. The pits complex was pulled down and rebuilt, giving more room to the teams, but thereby limiting spaces to 52 starters rather than the previous 60. But that, obviously, safety first. Yeah. <laughs> Despite the safety improvements, the following year when Le Mans was run in July, French driver Louis-Henri was killed when his car flipped. Mike Hawthorne and Ivor Buib 
returned the following year and again recorded the fastest lap, but overall their team finished sixth. Yeah. Can you believe he came back? Yeah, wow. he, he it just feels like he's he's really blocked it out. Wasn't it was just bad like he's just gone. Just uh, bad luck and it's not something that could have been helped. Yeah. Do you know what stiff up a lip, keep calm and whatever they say in England. Carry on. Carry on. <laughs> keep calm and keep calm, keep driving a Jaguar. Yeah. I feel like there are a couple of re- I mean, there's a million reactions you can have to a tragedy, but one is then they're all fine. They're all reasonable to be like, oh, that's scary. Don't want to do that again. Fine. Like, oh, don't want to go back to that place again. Completely fine. But to also be like, well, it's not going to happen twice. Yeah. I'll keep going. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What are the odds? What are the odds? What are the odds? You know, that was the worst driving tragedy of all time. There's no way I'm going to be in both. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm Me be coming back is actually good it's luck helping. for the yeah. race. Odds if you think are, of statistics, yeah, that's yeah. right. I'm not. I'm not going to win the triple crown of motorsport tragedies. Surely, 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 surely. But also, they had. They, I'm imagining all those um, new changes came into effect. New changes. Is that a? That's the thing where you've said two words that. What do you call it when a you tautology? Tautology. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the changes were. Um, they, they came into effect for 1956, did they? Yeah, that's right. And they actually started the race a month later than usual because it took them, they went flat out all year to redesign the track, pull down the pits, pull down the stand, build all new stuff. So, But, yeah, amazingly, they were good to go 13 months later. Surely, just to finish, <laughs> some good can come from the disaster. Well, I'm pleased to say that it kind of did. Uh, the death of his teammate LeVay left an impression on the American driver John Fitch. Fitch later devoted a great deal of effort to the task of increasing the safety of motorsports and driving in general, resulting in his company, Impact Attenuation Incorporated. His innovations were characterised not only by the effectiveness but also by their real-world practicality as affordable and easily installed maintained solutions. He devised the Fitch Barrier System, seen frequently on American highways, which you might have seen in movies. We don't have it here, but they're yellow plastic barrels filled with sand and placed along highways to absorb impacts. I have seen them. Yeah. In films. Since being used in the late 1960s, it's estimated that they've saved as many as 17,000 lives. Wow. And uh, that's just one of many inventions he came up with. Fitch died in 2012 at the age of 95. So On your Fitchy. He was around for a long time. So that's... Maybe some good that you could say came from it, uh, but that is overall my report on the 1955 Le Mans disaster, which remains and hopefully will forever remain the most catastrophic crash in motorsport history. I, I, wow. I'd never heard heard of that. No, I, I like Le Mans, familiar, not very, yeah. but I'd never heard of that. And you that think, cra- yeah. So it's one little flick of the wheel, and what ninety people? Yeah, cl- died? closing in on ninety people. Yeah. yeah. I yeah, that's amazing. When I was worried that that was just the beginning when the race went on. I thought, I'm like, oh, they're going to keep racing. Oh, this story isn't over. Oh, Oh, no. No, No, they're going to keep crashing. Yeah, so um, I'm glad at least that it ended there, but freaking hell. Oh, man, you go to watch a bit bit of sport. Yeah, just a great day out. Last thing you see is the hood of a car. And it just sounds like a a horoscope, you know, like – yeah. Pits of car falling from the sky. Everything's on fire. Oh, mm. And, and there's, there's video of it and it is filmed in 1955 and I'm kind of blessed that it is because it's a bit grainy, it's black and white. But even from that, you watch it and go, oh, God. Yeah. 
Fuck. Yeah, it's, it's 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 graphic, even though that it is. If it was full HD color, I don't think I could bring myself to watch it. It's. It seems like you'd have a spew having a watch. Mm, and it happens so quickly, so suddenly it's just this flaming ball is like flying through the crowd, unbelievably fast. Jeez. And that, how cool is it that he gave that signal and saved the car behind? Yeah. Oh my god! Amazing yeah, just... that his re- his reflex. Because that would have been a split second as yeah, well. Yeah, that's the last thing he ever did. That was yeah. his last action. And it saved, saved who Fangio. knows? It saved at least the drive behind him's life, but maybe he flips into like the crowd. Hundreds, and yeah. Yeah, that's right. At the very least, saved one of the greatest driver of all time's life, yeah. So that's that's pretty cool. Um, I w- yeah, I wonder what uh, if uh, Ben Johnson, who's been so keen to get this up as a topic, if he's a car racing fan or... Or like a car crash fan? What what's he into? I think he might. I think he is into racing. Yeah, because it's a big sport in England, isn't it? Car racing. Yes, big deal over there. They don't have a Bathurst, but I, you know, they've, right. they've got we their can't own. All have a Bathurst. That's true. Yeah, and it's not fair to put that pressure on the rest of the world to have a Bathurst. That's you're true. It's going to come can, up short every time. Yeah, not everyone <laughs> can have a Bathurst. Um, but you know, you can. Yeah, try. Yeah, well, I'm sure they got roads in England. <laughs> Shoot for the Bathurst. <laughs> Land on, Land on a Silverstone or something. Yeah. <laughs> Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This show is brought to you by BetterHelp. i got to get something off my chest. Okay. I ate... Your last biscuit. I was that saving has been, them for my wedding. That has been stressing. <laughs> that has been stressing me out. I'm so sorry. That feels a lot better to get that off my chest. You know, keeping things bottled up can affect people negatively, and that had been affecting me. And that feel that's a weight off my shoulder. Yeah. it was delicious. I'm not sorry, but I did take the last biscuit he, that he was saving for his wedding. I didn't know that. <laughs> That is upsetting to hear, but I think I'm going to have to get some uh, positive coping skills, learn to set some boundaries. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe you could give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, so it's very convenient. It's flexible. You can fit it around your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire and you get matched with a licensed therapist. You too can get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com D-G-O today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash D-G-O. Well, that brings us to everyone's favourite section of the show, Cass. I'm sure it's your favourite section. Yes, we got oh, the formalities yes. out of the way. Now it's onto the fun <laughs> stuff. Uh, this is where we thank a bunch of our great supporters. Uh, Less people die in this section. Yeah. Oh, yes. Well, traditionally. Traditionally. I mean, they said that about the Le Mans, didn't That's they? right, Exactly. <laughs> We also For a while, that was the race with the least amount of deaths. Yeah, Formula One's the one where people die. Uh, we also get to find out a bit about each other. That's the beauty oh, of this. Oh, yeah, thing. learning. Mm. Live life uh, And uh, we kick it off uh, with a section called Fact, Quote, or Question. Jess normally does the jingle. The words are Fact, Quote, or Question. Yeah. You want to put into a melody that feels appropriate? Fact, Quote, or Question. <laughs> ding! Yeah, he always remembers the ding. That <laughs> That's was really great. good. I loved it. That, that was, was sort of a, j- a jazzy number. Yeah. 
Very Thanks. big I'm fan of that. I'm in the 50s jingle mood. <laughs> yeah, yeah, loved it. <laughs> uh, so if you want to get involved, uh, listeners, you can go to patreon.com slash dogonpod or dogonpod.com. And for this first section, the fact, quote, or question section, if you sign up to the Sydney Scheinberg Deluxe Memorial Edition level, you get to give us a fact, a quote, or a question. I read them out on the show. I don't read them out beforehand, so um, hopefully they're not fucked. And they haven't, <laughs> so far, so good. Yeah, that's right. Cass, they also get to give themselves a title, okay? So, oh, okay. First up, we've got Paul McNally, who's given himself the title of Captain Panic. Oh, that sounds like, oh, is that a superhero or is that like an, is that like an emo band? Yeah. Oh, yes. How cool would that be? Captain Panic. I like it. Captain Panic. Yes. Uh, Captain Panic of the disco sort of. (laughs) Uh, So Paul, okay, Captain Panic has given us a quote, uh, which is, oh, well, Hang on, there's a bit of a preamble here. All right. Hello, all. This isn't really a quote, but I will explain. I'm (laughs) sitting at home this morning, and later on, I'm bringing my wife and newborn son home from the hospital. I decided to make a little compendium of time-stamped things for him, newspaper, articles, etc. So I'm using my quote as an audio one. My quote is this. Uh, Tom, I got the name, and he's written it phonetically for me. So if, this, if if you mean this is a thing, me saying this is something you want to play for your son, I better not fuck it up. Hmm. Don't play that bit until he's of an age where he can hear words <laughs> like fuck. Seven. <laughs> the age of reason, as John Farnham once sang. Uh, Tom Orse. Tom Orse? Tom Orse, I think. All right, I'm going with that. Yeah. Tom Orse McNally, I love you with all my heart. Your dad is so happy you've arrived. Your mum is amazing, and as I battle through isofix seats, prams, nappies, feeding regimes, I know it's all worth it because I will always take care of you and keep you happy and safe. I hope this message makes you feel happy, and I'm definitely playing it on your 21st birthday party <laughs> night for your friends. You just swore at a party. <laughs> P.S. Jesus Christ, I hope this message isn't at the end of a murder episode. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, there was just a death toll of 85 people. Uh, thank you for indulging the sentimental fool. Happy New Year to you all and stay safe. Thank you very much, Paul. Oh, that is. Oh, congrats I, to your family. I clutched my heart. That was so lovely. Dave, uh, any quick messages for Tom Orse? Tom Orse, uh, happy birthday. Uh, obviously, you've come this far and you're going to go even further. Yeah. This is, If this has been played at your 21st, here's to 21 more and hopefully play it again at the 42nd. Play everyone, charge their glasses. <laughs> yeah. And, and beer bongs. <laughs> it's the 21st, remember. Are people yep. still drinking in the future? <laughs> yeah. Hmm? I don't know. They vape their beer now. <laughs> Cass, any messages for Tom Morse? Um, you, um, you often get people being like, you can do anything you want in this world, and they mean the really big goal things. And you absolutely can. Any goal can be broken down to a task. Task is the thing you do in one sitting. You're fine. You can do anything. But, like, you could literally do anything. Like, you could... If you go into any shop, you could rob that shop immediately. And the choice not to is what makes you who you are. And the choice to do those <laughs> yes. things. Yes. You know, I think learning that you have a choice to do any given thing in your life, good or bad, is very freeing. So make good choices. <laughs> That's right. And so, Tomas, <laughs> do not rob that shop. Yeah. Unless, you know, you're in a real bind. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't know about in the future, but 
they, they often factor shoplifting into the price if you don't <laughs> shoplift. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, if you don't, your basics will be installed from if you pay full price. Yeah, I mean, so. and, and you might be at a stage in your life where you don't want to shoplift, and that's amazing. That means you're holding it up for those who can't afford not yeah. to. Community service. Well done, Tom Morse. I hope I'm saying it right. Oh, and if you could just follow me on Twitter at Dave Warnicky, that'd be great. I'm sure Twitter still <laughs> is a very big medium, <laughs> still relevant. That's like, yeah, go on. And yeah, send me a telegram. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, do, I don't know what ISOFIX seats are, but good luck uh, with that, Paul, uh, as you battle. Battles his way through ISOFIX seats. It must be must some be sort baby of related seats. Baby retaining device. Yes. Well, good luck, Keep Paul. I've typed in Isofix seats and it's come up with childcarseats.org.au. Gotcha. Oh, they are annoying to install. Yeah, you... well, the pressure as well, right? Oh, my God. Imagine. <laughs> I mean, in a car accident episode. Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess that's why it's complicated. Like, that you either. You either can't do it or it is perfectly done. And yeah. that's what you want. Right. You want to be frustrated until you know that it is completely secure. Like you want something that you can't get wrong so it's nearly impossible to get right. Yes. Yes. Because otherwise – anyway, I won't follow that thought. Um, okay, so – The longest 21st speech ever. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, Paul. That was lovely. Uh, next one comes from Alex Bashay or Backy. Uh and Alex has the title President of Do Go On's Pittsburgh Chapter. Go Penguins. Okay. <laughs> and Love it. Alex has offered a fact. Alex writes, Hey Yins. I don't know what that is. Is that Pittsburgh lingo? Anyway, hey Yins with a Z. Oh, I mean, I could have just read the very next thing. <laughs> That's Pittsburghese for y'all. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Was that our fact? Is that the end of the sentence? <laughs> That's a great fact. You literally type in yins and it comes up with uh, dictionary definition. In Western Pennsylvania, you used to refer to more than one person. How yins guys doing? Oh, that's great. Oh, how that's yins guys doing? More than ever, we need words like that. These sort of like collective words, mm. sort of non-gendered. And yins, to me, sounds like a winner. Yeah. English literally has a lexical gap. Other languages don't have that gap. If you make a little chart of being like single, first person, second person, we have a hole in ours because we don't have a plural for you. Yeah, I, I've, I, I think I use use. Yeah, which is, I, it is it is people filling a lexical gap that we don't have and it makes language more effective and then people get annoyed at it. To those people I say, show me the dictionary for the year that language was done. <laughs> yeah. Show me when it was finished. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Yeah, yins, show us. Hey, so I'm already <laughs> I'm working it in. Uh, anyway, so Alex continues. Uh, I bring another Pittsburgh fact to you. Oh, that's right. Alex has been giving us some great Pittsburgh oh, facts. Bring, Maybe, bring, bring has it there been one so far? Maybe more. <laughs> uh, did you know that all three of our major pro sports teams, uh, can you name them? He's, he's written them here, or Alex has written them here. In the NFL... Steelers? Yes. Uh, Major League Baseball. Pirates? Yes. And NHL. Pittsburgh. Panthers? I just said this one. Oh, Penguins. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, NHL. Yeah, yeah, you're, I, I do know that. Go Penguins. Um, and our minor league soccer team, the Riverhounds. Oh, come oh, on. I was, about to, I was about to say it. He was, he was right on the, I could see his I mouth love poised that. for Riverhounds. And Riverhounds. Riverhounds. <laughs> Lock it fantastic. In. They all wear the same colours, which are? Blue. No. 
purple and. Is it black and white? Close. Black and. Gold, yellow. Yes, black and gold. Ah. That's right. Like the home brand. So all, all of their teams wear <laughs> that color. Yeah, they're colors. all wear black and gold. That's great. This That's is the fact, on I guess. uniform costs. Yeah, I like for that. For sure. Uh, we are the only city in the US to do this, and to my knowledge, the only city in the world. If you are curious, the colors come from William Pitt's coat of arms. The city is also no- named after him. Ah. Uh, I do. P.S. I do love all the ways you pronounce my last name. <laughs> <laughs> and Matt, you even came up uh, the you even came up the my all time favorite mispronunciation last time, but it is pronounced Batchy. I think I said that in one of my attempts today. Anyways, thanks for laughs and happy New Year. Hey, Alex Batchy, happy New Year to you too. And apologies when I forget that and do it all again next time. Hell yeah. Go Pirates. Batchy. Go Penguins. Uh, I think I say Alex Bachet because it sounds similar to that um, Sydney to Hobart yacht, uh, which is like Ella Bachet, oh. which would just be a brand of something. But Ella it used Bachet. to didn't it used to win that uh, that r- boat race? Ella Bachet is a skin before you get facials. Right. Why they also sponsored sponsored a successful boat? There you go. The only thing I can think of is Wild Oats Eleven. Yeah, Wild. It's, isn't it weird that we know names of, of uh, racing yachts? <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> but isn't that, it weird that I also know all the teams in Pittsburgh for something? That's true. Yeah, it's culture. Just how co- did you know that? I don't really know. Pirates, I, I reckon, is the trickiest one. But yeah, I don't know. I just know a few of the teams. Just. Just absorb it somehow. Yeah, because we what like it would have been mentioned on, you know, Fresh Prince of Bel Air or something. Yeah, yeah, that probably. Uh, and even though he was from West Philadelphia, not Pittsburgh. Yes. Yeah, I, I didn't even mean that there was a Pennsylvania connection, but no, the, but you were saying about, we just watch a lot of American yeah. stuff growing <laughs> up. Would have come yeah. up on some TV show. Uh, thank you so much, Alex. Uh, next one comes from Dominic Stevenson, who uh, has the title Hermit. <laughs> is that in capitals? <laughs> no. The way he said it, hermit. <laughs> hermit. Uh, and Dominic's asking a question, which is, what is the most trouble you ever got in at school and why? Man, that was so long ago. Oh, what century was it for you, sir? <laughs> oh, I stayed back. I ended up being there for a couple of centuries. Um, Cass, you're, you're most recently out of school. Oh. Any memories of... I think the most trouble I got into at school, I famously faced zero consequences for any of my actions. And But there was one day, because I was chronically late, and it really upset my parents who were like, if only they would give you some sort of consequence to this action because it will affect your later life. And they just didn't. Um, but one day I was late, and I can't remember why I was late, but I do remember I was in tears, and I was at my locker, and my friend who was also running late happened to meet me at the locker, and she's like, oh, my God, are you all right? You know when you're a teen. Um, and they found me crying at my locker with my friend. They're like, oh, can't be late. Um, and instead of making us go to class, they put us in a room, gave us like an immediate detention of some sort and made us write lines. And it was so strange because every time I would think back on it, I was like, wait, you saw a crying child and said, <laughs> no class for you, go write lines. Yeah. What? Uh, we had to write a hundred lines or something. I cannot remember anything about what the lines were, but I do remember that at one stage the light was shining really beautifully through the window and the room was carpeted. So, uh, you know, when you see like a sunbeam and all the dust particles float. Yeah. And I remember both of us sitting in the room watching all the dust particles being like, you know what? 
this is a really beautiful day. I'm glad we're together. And we just had a really lovely time. And we didn't have to go to class. <laughs> and that's the most trouble I've... That's the consequence I faced. <laughs> yeah. You learn a real lesson there. <laughs> Dave, how about you? Obviously, I was a high school bad boy. Yeah. <laughs> were, um, were you in Weed Hornet at high school? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In year seven and eight, yeah. Oh, was that early? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Weed Hornet was my, uh, I played in lots of bands in school cast, but yep. my first one was a punk band called Weed Hornet that, that comes up every second Named or third episode. Named after Whippersnipper. In the garage where we rehearse. Oh, that rules. We um, we released one uh, EP with four songs on it that we recorded at a recording studio. And I, if I can find a copy of it, I'm thinking that we could do a Patreon episode where we oh, go through it track by track. Yes. That would be awesome. If I've just got a, we made a hundred copies and... I don't know. Saldo hotcakes. Yeah, so, you know. Yeah. But uh, the most trouble I, I can remember getting in Seld. is um, <laughs> I wasn't in very much trouble at school, but one time in year seven in food tech or home economics or whatever you call uh, the cooking class, uh, which I was terrible at, me and my partner were accused of terrorism when... Uh, yeah, that's... Br- that's, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's I, what, I didn't do a lot bad at school. I mean, that's what got involved, I dabbled in terrorism. Because... <laughs> Uh, we'd accidentally left the gas stove on and the teacher was like, you're trying to blow up the school. You're try- you got to go see the principal. And we were like, no, nah, we're just really bad at cooking. Mama's <laughs> <laughs> way <laughs> stupid. Please. She freaked, she freaked she out. She left to trying to blow up trying the to blow- school. Yeah, you're trying to kill us all. Oh, my God. No way are we doing that. What? Like just how bad I am uh, at food tech. I once forgot to cook the bacon in a meal. When it was like, it. <laughs> and then and it was too late, so I just hid it under tomato and cheese, and everyone else at the end gets to eat theirs. And the teacher's like, "Oh, why aren't you eating yours?" I'm like, "Oh, I don't feel very well, really." But she didn't notice that my bacon was completely uncooked under. You wouldn't have felt very well if you did eat. No, it. isn't bacon cured? Don't we cure it before we put it in? I can't give that advice. Well, I Never, definitely would not. I wouldn't be eating raw bacon. Well, no, I think not raw, if the listeners eat raw bacon, cured. Uh, let us know how it goes. Uh, don't eat it. Do not do Probably, that. You're not meant to. Look at the pack. If the packer says you're not allowed to do it, then follow the packet. You got to listen. It'd be to very words. chewy, wouldn't it, if it was uncooked? I haven't had bacon in a while. You eat uncooked bacon all the time. It's cured. It's fine. Eating. I don't do it though. I think it, I could just have guts of steel because I've done it forever. Healthline.com. Eating raw bacon can increase your risk of foodborne illnesses such as toxoplasmosis and tapeworms. Therefore, it's unsafe to eat raw bacon. Okay, don't eat raw bacon. Yeah, okay. I think that's good advice. Um, I can't. I can't think of the. You know. I, yeah, I think I was. I was pretty uh, obedient sort of kid. I remember one time I got. I got sent home for having a beard. I think. What? <laughs> was the teacher jealous? Yeah, but I. Yeah, they. Yeah, I think they just weren't allowed to have it. Like it was one of those really inconsistently enforced rules. Oh, like, yeah. Like, because I mean, I had it the day before as well. You know. Yeah. <laughs> you did a full full day. Yeah, I was going to say, like, how how did a beard happen? Yeah, that's right. So it, So uh, yeah, it's just I guess the teachers are humans so who they, they pull out the tape measure and go, "That's three mil." Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the rule. It's only two point five, mate. Because both my parents are teachers. I feel like I always, uh, I just you know, I just didn't want to. I always wanted to be good to the teachers. Yeah. So I don't think I don't really don't think I got in trouble all that much. I mean, it, with mates and stuff, I was on the edge of them doing fuck things, but uh, and maybe I got a, in a little bit of trouble just by association. But I think generally I was 
Pretty good. I just can't remember. It's so fucking long ago. <laughs> just sad. I'll talk to some mates soon and I'll, I'll come back with some stories. Um, good question, Dominic, but you did, you broke the one rule I ask. Everyone who asks a question to answer their own question, Dominic did not do that. I reckon Dominic's got some great tales. Oh, if you're yeah. asking that question, you've got a, a good answer. Yeah. So you got to hit us back, Dominic, with <laughs> what, what trouble you got in at school. It must have been stuff. I just can't. I really can't think of anything. Uh, thank you, Dominic. Final one is from Colin Wright. Uh, Colin's title is actually Colin's little brother Lee, uh, with whom he shares the subscription, though I may have forgot to pay him this month. Sorry, Colin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, Colin slash Lee has offered us this fact. Fun fact is how it starts. Yep. Love that. Fun fact, Love exclamation fun. mark. Okay. Love fact. Uh, and, geez, you're lucky, Lee, that Jess isn't here because Cass is sitting in for Jess. Mm-hmm. And Jess normally says if it's a fun fact or not. She's pretty brutal. I feel like Cass is going to be more open to fun. But we'll find out. I'm open to fun, but oh, no. I like having it. Okay. So. so you're going to be you're going to be you're going to be strict on the ruling as well. I think, look, if I'm open to fun. Because I want to have fun. Yes. So you've got further to fall with me. Okay. My heart is open, but it is a cliff. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Lee writes, you recently learned on the Kangaroo Kicker episode that the Badger mascot of the University of Wisconsin is named Bucky. This is fun because you gave me the same nickname back on the 119th episode uh, Queens of the Sydney Underground. I was a supporter just on the shout-out level at the time and the gangster name you gave me based on the town I lived in at the time was Buckeye, Arizona. Uh, was Lee Bucky Wright. But th- this fact is even more fun because I was born and raised in Wisconsin. Whoa. Now that's nominative determinism, <laughs> I think. <laughs> that's great, Lee. Yeah, so we did an episode way back about... Aussie gangsters, and then at the end we gave some of our shout-out people nicknames. And amazingly, like 150 episodes later, we talked about someone, a mascot with the same nickname we gave him. Well, that is fun. That's Oh, thank God. I think, oh, I that's think that fun. is fun. That's nice. Like, ima- <clears throat> imagine being little Bucky. Yeah. Having a listen, having a moan, having another listen all this year later. Oh, no, it would be three years, wouldn't it? It's beautiful. Oh, No, that's fun. It's a nice fact too. Yeah, I like a nice fact. Thank you so much, Colin, Dominic, Alex, and Paul. We we do also, um, I know, Cass, you're thinking, well, the shout-out section's over. It is only just beginning. The next section, uh, we shout-out to people who've um, been supporting us on the shout-out level for a little while. And just when we come up with a little game based on the topic we just talked about, for instance, that one... Years back, we gave everyone a gangster name because we're doing an episode about Aussie gangsters. Ah, uh, yes. And then we, I think last time I was here, we gave everyone a task. Yes, that's right. <laughs> for in the survival group. That's right. So um, I don't know if you've got any thoughts on what we can mm. offer. Some mm. some sort of broom broom related thing. Some sort of car related thing. Yeah, maybe we can uh, we can give them a a, a vehicle to uh, race, race in the Le Mans. That's yeah, fun. Okay. okay. Yes. What car are you driving <laughs> the Le Mans? All right. If I can kick it off, if that's okay with you two, I would love to thank from Winchester, 
in Great Britain, Rebecca White. Or Flintstone car. Oh, oh pedal yes. power. Pedal power that whole way. And because you talk about it, you've got to turn it off, you've got to refuel. Don't have to worry about refueling at all. Yeah, that's You'll true. You'll catch up with the other cars because you don't have to leave the track. That's right. The only refueling you got to do is a bit of lunch. And you yeah. have like in a big tummy. dinosaur yeah, fill, steak on the side. Exactly. Fill the car with bananas. You're ready to go. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, great. Cheers to you, Rebecca White. Enjoy that for 24 hours. Brutal. Hopefully your <laughs> yeah, co-driver... Yeah, exactly. You're in a team. Yeah. Uh, yeah, hopefully Fred is your co-driver because <laughs> he's, he's got form. I'd also love to thank from Strathmore in Victoria, Australia, Chris Armstrong. Um, novelty car shaped like a big fist and you drive, <laughs> you drive through a window in the ring on the ring finger. <laughs> That's great. That's fun. Fist car. Fist car. And coming up last place, we have fist car. <laughs> I think it would be good in an accident too. Wouldn't it It'd just be able to absorb the the crash? Maybe. Yeah, that's right. Or destroy your opponents. Yeah. As, as it were. Yeah, well, if the, if the little window is on the ring, then. And finally from me, from Lacombe in Canada... It's Cole Bouchard. Cole Bouchard. Ooh. What about Cole Bouchard is driving around a tank? Oh, yeah. Which obviously oh. they don't go that quick. I think they can go quite fast these days, but not two or 300k an hour. But if you crush your opponents <laughs> or or blow think, them up. I don't think you have to take the corners in a tank. I think you, <laughs> <laughs> I think you take the corners. Yeah. You get to pick Mine what the road now. is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, awesome. Yeah, I think, I think Cole Bouch- Bouchard... Is that how you'd say that? I think that's a great name. Great name, yeah. Is it? Let's have a look. Cole. Yeah, because there's that tennis player, Eugenie Bouchard, who I think is pronounced that way. you're probably correct. Also Canadian. But what about Butchered? Oh, Cole Butchered. Yeah, it's great Really too. butchered that name, didn't we? Cole the Butcher Butchard in his tank, mowing down the opposition. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> We're in a grim car race now. Dave, do you want to thank a few? I would love to thank a few. I'd like to thank from Brooklyn in New York. It is OK So NYC. Oh, I think OK So NYC. If I'm thinking NYC, I'm thinking rollerbladers. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a conga line. You're, you're you know gritty New York, Cass? Oh, what do you think? You're thinking... I'm thinking I'm walking here, and yeah. I'm thinking you're blading there. I'm blading here. <laughs> <laughs> and i got to get out of your way. It doesn't matter if I'm walking here. You're too fast. Yeah. <laughs> You've got blade in your name. It's scary. <laughs> I'd clear the track. I'd clear the track for rollerblade. Yeah, I think that is so New York, rollerblades. I mean, I've only spent a few days there, but. That's all you need. I didn't even, I didn't see anyone rollerblading. It's, but I felt like vibe. they were probably around. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you can feel that. You feel that. I walked along the, the Chelsea, what's that? The Chelsea High Line or whatever it's called. And it feels like rollerbladers would fit in there. Yeah. I know I, that's not in Brooklyn. But, but racing around the track, I love it. Yeah. It's, it's on wheels. It's on the track. <laughs> yeah. It's on tracks. It's on the track for a tank. Uh, thank you. Okay, so NYC. I'd like to thank also now from Reservoir, a place we are very close to at time of recording. Ooh. Jimmy Williamson. Jimmy Williamson. We are inside you right now. Ooh. ooh. Uh, what are you thinking, Jimmy Williamson? Reservoir, that is not you, Jimmy, <laughs> obviously. I mean, we're in your ears. Yeah. That's true too. Maybe true on both counts. What about... What's a classic Reservoirian mode of transport? 
for whatever reason, I'm getting novelty lock and key set. I don't know how we'd motorize that. Okay. That's all I've been getting. Novelty lock and key set. Maybe because it's jimmying something. Okay. Over. I know. I think um, I think that's great. I mean, we've already done the car shaped like a fist. Maybe now we can do a motorbike shaped like a lock and key. Oh, that's yes. fun. Okay. So the back, so the front prong wheel. Yeah. Back prong, oh, the handle, bigger wheel. Yes. You lie down face first. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. You have a. So it's like a luge type. Yeah, it's like, yeah, like, like a, a skeleton. It is, but skeleton. you lean yeah. forward instead of back. I saw some footage of the of like some trials for the skeleton at the upcoming Winter Olympics, or is it upcoming? Yeah, yeah. And it, it has got to be the most full on sport in the world, or right up there for mainstream sport at an Olympics. On your belly, flying down at like an ice water slide. I don't know how fast they go, but it is hectic. That's scary. Have you seen it? It's no, wild. But your your neck's not meant to be like that. Yeah, what, they must have. They must be looking up to see, right? You couldn't you, just if you weren't looking. Oh, that's so scary to think about. Yeah. But then, if you were looking, you'd get a sore neck. Yeah. So. Where's where's lose, the lose. safety? I feel like, if, I feel like if you're not looking, you're going to get an even sore neck when you crash. Uh, so we've got Jimmy in a lock and key motorbike. Motorbike. I love, I love it. And I would love to thank from Sheffield in Great Britain. Man, I've got some good names this week. The Funkasaurus. The Funkasaurus. Okay, what are you thinking for the Funkasaurus? Oh, well, I mean, when I think funk, I think of, you know, Bootsy Collins maybe. Like like a, like a one of those low rider hot wheel. Yeah. Oh. Like a hot In the shape of a bass rod. guitar. Yes. Hot rod in the shape of a bass guitar. The Funkasaurus from Sheffield. Thanks so much. For your support, love I it. I think what what's happened is I, I used to, uh, in the last few months, I've changed my system with these shout-outs. And I think the names used to come from the mailing address, the way that okay. I exported them, and now that this is how they pre- actually present themselves. So we're, I think we're just going to get more <laughs> names like this from now on. Not that there's heaps of them, but if pe- it's whatever they put in is there. Hey, I appreciate it. That's what they want to be known as. That's what I want to call them. Exactly. Ah, uh, the Funkasaurus is so good. When I think of Sheffield, Great Britain, I think funk. Funk. And dinosaurs, what do you get when you mush them together? A lot of oil, I'll tell you what. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the, uh, there, Dave Street. Cass, do you, wanna th- do you want me to shout out the last three? Or are you up for shouting out a few? Oh, let's, let's give him a shout. Okay, next up we have all the way from St. Paul, Sadie Fisher. Sadie Fisher from the Twin twin Cities. cities. Go Timberwolves. Is that right? (laughs) So St. Paul's the Twin Cities, St. Paul and Minnesota, right? No, Uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota is the state. Gotcha. Yeah, so uh, Sadie Fisher. What about twins? Like twins? Is there like a <gasps> motorcycle sidecar type situation? Oh, oh, yeah, sidecars, like though. Two sidecars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and somewhere, somewhere else, there's a two motorcycles that have been mushed together. <laughs> that is so good. Yeah, double, double sidecar, side motorized sidecars. That's fun. Why hasn't anyone done fun. that? Yeah. Everyone's Why don't make the whole motorbike cup? out of the side? <laughs> <laughs> well, Sadie has answered that question. Okay. Yes, is, the, is what Sadie answered. <laughs> yeah. Sadie, that's a great that's a great way to get around Le Mans. Yeah, it feels lower, closer to the ground, safer. So next up from Kilburn, Adelaide, South Australia, we got Kirby Primer. Kirby Primer. Wow, oh. that's a, another fantastic name. Kirby, of course. I learnt uh, on, when I was on Gamey Game is like a 
kind of blob and in a computer game and eats things. Mm. Is that mm. right? Yeah, Kirby and flies is around. So how you could describe the Monaco race? Track. Yeah, it's very Kirby. Right? Very Kirby. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Kirby Primer. Uh, I think Kirby Primer gets around on one of those bouncy things. You know those... Oh, Space s- Hopper. Space Hopper, yeah. <laughs> gets around on a Space Hopper. Oh, boing, boing. <laughs> yeah. They, I don't know if it... Like in Bathurst, it's one race, but there's well, there used to be a lot of different classes. So you'd even get hobbyists. There actually is. Slower. There is classes in the Monto. Right. Yeah. Fantastic. Oh, yes. And we've added a new class, Space Hopper. <laughs> well, let me just tell you. Uh, from BBC, Roger Austin, 19, is now the official record holder for the furthest distance travelled on a space hopper in 24 hours. Oh, so. oh my God. So it, it already exists. There's already a Le Monde. Uh, the teenager from uh, Mission Hampton near Stroud bounced for four miles. That's not that far. No, it's been 24 hours. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Oh, he likes to get tired. Yeah. Maybe you went to bed. Ha- had quite a big camped. nap in the middle of <laughs> I'm I'm picturing that uh, Kirby Primer's oh. space hopper is coloured and 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 drawn on face to look like Kirby there. Oh, that is fun. Yeah. Oh, can I just say this record has since been broken. I'm on Guinness World Records now. 21st of March, 2021. Uh, someone in Belgium, 32.8 kilometres. Okay, that's that makes that sense. Now we're talking. So they've done like three laps of Le Mans in 24 <laughs> hours. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much, Kirby. And finally, Cass. Uh, finally from Cahiba. Is that right? Cahiba? I, I don't I'm not familiar with it, but... Cahiba, yeah. Jamaica. Oh, I want to take you, John Draker. Oh, that is good stuff. <laughs> Only actually Cahiba from New South Wales in Australia. Absolutely. Jo- oh, Dra- I want to take <laughs> you, John Draker. Oh, man, that's so good because I was reading that going... I didn't even read that, so I was thinking, we've got a Jamaican supporter. This is awesome. You John, do not. You are still an absolute <laughs> legend. What And John... What is John driving around on? It's got to be a penny farthing. Oh, oh it's got, there it's he is. got to be. He's up top. Yeah, motorized or he's pedaling. No, pedaling. Love it. Uh, we have not been, not, we have not been kind to most of you. Most of you <laughs> are having a brutal twenty-four yeah. hours coming up. <laughs> Please make it stop. <laughs> Uh, good luck, John, and thank you so much for your support as well as uh, Kirby, Sadie, the Funkasaurus, Jimmy. So NYC, Cole, Chris, and Rebecca. And the last thing we need to do, Cass, is invite a few people in our Triptych Club. These are supporters who've been on the shout-out level for three years straight. And uh, once they are brought into the Triptych Club, Dave's – this is a bit of theatre of the mind. We're in the club. I'm standing on the door. I've got the velvet rope. I lift it. I've got the clipboard. I read out their names. They run into the into the club. Mm -hmm. Dave's standing on the stage with a mic, hyping the crowd up, which is everyone who's already been inducted. And he, he sort of hypes them up. And then normally Jess gives Dave a bit of positive feedback just because, you know, it takes a lot to you be a hype. hype man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, who who no- hypes the hype man? Jess normally also comes up with a cocktail, cocktail based on the topic. So what is the Lemon cocktail? Okay. We're, we're getting bottom of the shelf vodka. Okay. It's, <laughs> it's giving gasoline. <laughs> We've splashed a bit of Coke Zero into it. Yes. Um, no, actually, no, we're getting diet Coke. Like the one that has the bit of the worst flavor. Okay. You know, yeah. Oh, maybe it was Coke, Coke, no sugar for a while. It was one of them had a bad flavor. Whatever that one is, to give us that tang of bad. Okay. Um, and a bit of the gasoline color. Um, we will also be floating a layer of, I think, tequila on top and setting it on fire. Okay, great. 
That's fantastic. It's, it sounds tasty and distasteful all at once. And Dave, you've normally booked a band as well to play? Yes, we uh, in celebration of our French roots this week, it's Daft Punk. Oh, Reforming. Daft Punk. Or the club. Last time we had a Sans Pants person on the show, uh, Zamet. Did not know who Daft Punk was, and I was, and I, it's just something I thought about later. I'm like, I don't know. I was, I was like, you don't know Daft Punk, but you know how annoying it is when people go, you don't know a thing I know. <laughs> you haven't and seen I, The Godfather. So I went home and I was uh, closed my eyes in bed and thought, why did you say that? <laughs> you didn't know Daft Punk. Sometimes that's, that's fine and cool. Sometimes it is. There's a difference because I have had moments where someone's like, I've never heard of that, and you're like. Wait, how did you avoid it? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not like, oh my god, you haven't seen it because the. I think the best way when someone says that is, especially if it's something you love, you're like, oh, we're about to have a sleepover and watch <laughs> yeah. a movie together. How nice. Yeah. It was like, oh, I haven't heard this album. I was like, you are about to have such a good time. Yeah. Please tell right. me about it after hmm. you do. But um, yeah, sometimes it's just baffling that someone's avoided something for so long. Yeah, I just, I, I think that's what I, I was like. Wow, they were, they were really How big. How did you not know? Like, not I'm like pretty uh, shocked at that. Loser, you don't know Dolph Punk. <laughs> Uh, what do you not listen to the radio for twenty years? I actually don't even own a TV. Um, <laughs> so all right, so there's two inductees this week. Dave, are you ready? Have you got your hype muscles? Who am I hyping? Let me hype, hype, hype. Firstly, from Tracy in California, it's Trevor Hammond. Ooh, the hammer! Uh, oh, that was good. <laughs> that was good. Oh wow, this is even better. It sounds like she's being yeah, genuine. Just, just, just genuine sounding compliments. That's really great. And uh, from Saint Joseph in Illinois, in the United States, it's Nate. Oh, more like great. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's still fun. I like it. I've got four letters to work with here. Nate. Nate, more like my new best my, mate. My mate. He's great. Uh, he wasn't late. I was thirsty, but now you're here. I have, I'm satiate. <laughs> that doesn't quite work. It was uh, fate. <laughs> anyway, thank you very much, Nate and Trevor. Welcome in. Make yourselves at home. Have a good time. Thanks, guys. Enjoy your beverage. Please blow it out first. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, that brings us to the end of the episode. Uh, Dave, what is there anything else we need to tell people before we go? Oh, we are doing a show at the Comedy Festival, which we haven't mentioned on this episode, and we've actually sold some tickets to it, like uh, quite a lot, which is really nice. Uh, so thank you so much to everyone that's done that. It's a quiz show where I'm the, the quiz host, and I'm going to quiz Matt and Jess with uh, a guest each each week. There's three Mondays in April at the Comedy Festival. We're at the famous Melbourne Town Hall on Monday nights at 9 o'clock, and uh, the topic is a subject from History Cast. Oh, we've and all been in that. Yes. yes. I lived a lot of my life in there. So uh, obviously we've got some experts from history, uh, Matt and Jess, and I'll be quizzing them on a certain topic each week. It's a different show every week. Uh, lots of great guests. And you can get tickets at comedyfestival.com.au. It's called Do Go On, The Quiz Show. And while you're there, why not get a ticket to my show with Alistair Trombley Birchall, which is called... Honk Honk. <laughs> okay. <laughs> honk Honk, Hubba Hubba. Ring-a-ding. Ring-a-ding-ding. Uh, it's catchy, and that's why I certainly remember it. And uh, that's on for the second half of the festival. Don't come on a Monday if you want to see me because I'm being replaced by Angus Gordon. I mean, go see that show if you want to, but I'm going to be at the quiz show instead. So come uh, to the quiz show and then come see me and Al one of the other nights. It would be so cool to see you there. Uh, yeah, but Cass- in the meantime, yes. you can fill our ear holes with the voice of Cass Page on many, many <laughs> podcasts that come out every week. Yeah, oh, they're just bursting through. So, sanspantsradio.com, 
Um, everything on there is great. See what you like. Uh, we got a few. We got comedy. We got culture. We got adventures as well. D and D is for nerds. Love an adventure. Yep, playing D and D with your mates. That's what it is. My mates, just not your mates. Just a nice time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, you can listen to me playing with your mates. <laughs> hey, Cass. Yes. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, now we always ask this at the end of the episode: Do you want to come back next week and play for the jackpot, <laughs> or do you want to take what or you've you already wanna, got? Yeah, you can take right. what you've got now. So I could head off with all the knowledge and memories yes. I have now, or yes. I could double that. You're saying yep. potentially? Yep. I'm gonna go for the double. <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, that's See exciting. you next week. <laughs> <laughs> Later's. Oh yeah, thanks so much <laughs> and <Bye>. goodbye. <laughs> 